This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Misa. Hello, I'm Evan. Hi, I'm Trish. And we're going to talk about Farmer in the Sky by Robert A. Heinlein, a novel that came out in 1950. Hard to believe it was 1950. Um, and uh, it was serialized in Boy's Life, which is the Boy Scout magazine in the USA. Maybe it's a international. I don't think so. Um, in, uh starting in August? Yeah. Um, over four issues. And then... Uh, I read it in a paperback at some point, and I said, I like this book. It's about farming. Um, it wasn't as much about farming as I remembered. They don't get to the actual satellite or the actual uh, uh, moon of Jupiter, Ganymede, until uh, quite late in the book. But About halfway. Yeah, about halfway. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I was thinking near the end, I was like, this is getting close to the end. There's no bad guys. <laughs> Like, there's no, it's like, it's really, there's no conflict, really. Well, you're fighting. I would disagree that there's no conflict. Well, now there's conflict, (laughs) Trish, now that you throw that in my face. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, other than that, there's no conflict. There are no villains, but there are pests and there is nature. Man against Um, nature (laughs) or boy against nature. And uh, there's actually some father-son conflict. Yeah, I guess there's some, especially at the beginning, um, where there are some very annoying people too, Jesse. Oh, Heinlein's good at that, making me annoyed at his annoying people. Like, yeah, the 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 takers and the bureaucrats who Heinlein despises are very much in evidence as antagonists in this book. I I, admire their audiences. I thought there was a lot less hate of bureaucracy in this than usual. Like. There's yeah, so- I, it seems mm-hmm. a lot of it was just the reality of life on Ganymede. Wasn't mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a little lecture um, where the dad's telling the son, um, yeah, the, these people are not suitable for this trip. They didn't rightly pass the test. The senator got them in or whatever. But it's okay because ultimately they will fail in life. And it's like, oh, I guess that – I don't agree with your philosophy it, it's there. Very, it's very, very much the evolution and action argument. Uh, yes, it is. And, but I thought that that was pretty minimal complaining for Heinlein. And then I, I was thinking about how, um, how, who's financing all of this, right? It's supposed to be self-financing, but we don't, not everybody on the ship is American, are they? I mean, it's interesting. It's, I was thinking about the meta sort of economic stuff of it, which I wouldn't have been thinking of uh, the first time I read it. Who else has read this before? I think I had read this long ago, but I think I was kind of conflating it with Tunnel in the Sky. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're both so got I, in the I, sky. I, so I kind of <laughs> I put them together in my head. So I actually had not read this before, I don't think. Misa will really like Tunnel in the Sky because it's it's kind of like a Star Trek episode where they crash land on a planet and and they have to survive. Uh, they beam down to the planet, and they literally do beam down to the planet. And then, really? yeah, and then they're they're like, "What planet are we on? Is this Earth?" Like, no, it doesn't seem to be Earth. 
And then it's it's like a bunch of Boy Scouts, or except it's boys and Girl Scouts. And it's kind of like the Hunger Games, the girls too. do something in Tunnel in the Sky? <laughs> There's girls in this one? There's girls. Uh, one, remember the the uh, uh, shuttle pilot? Oh, Hattie. Yeah, Hattie. But she was a hard-ass bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You say hard-ass bitch. That was, that we say... That her characterization. Yeah, <laughs> we say correct. she's competent. That's true. Okay, one. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, what about um Mrs. Schrader or whatever her name is? Mrs. That, Schultz. Mrs. Schultz. Uh, she is competent in the domestic sphere. Yes, in the domestic sphere. She was very competent. Uh, well, I mean, that's what they, they... They're farmers. That's good. And uh, ultimately, I thought this was a, a big surprise. And Evan should be surprised, too. Had you read this before, Evan? No. No, good. Okay. Um, at the end, he chooses not to go to school. I thought that was good. Right? Yeah, I was surprised. Subversive. Yeah, Holy that's shit. That's a very unheimline sort of result. Very unheimline. And think about how at the end, uh, where this is being published in Boy's Life, right? Oh, yeah. It's so mm-hmm. scouty. It's so about, like, we're improving. We're becoming disciplined. We're going to go in the army. We're going to be the foot soldiers for uh, for Empire or whatever. Ultimately... Uh, he he he's subversive. I, so I I was I was surprised at a number of turns in this book without any conflict. Yeah, and then and uh, and the father said, and the twins are going to go to Earth to go to school, and I was thinking, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> Based on every time someone he says you're going to go back to Earth, you're going to go back to Earth, and right, all didn't. Um, oh, it's, it's really like the, it's we're back to this kind of Turner thesis model of american history right this frontier mm-hmm. sure yep, you to see it kind of you, you start you kind of remake democracy by going through all the stages of civilization each time you move to the frontier <clears throat> right so and we're going to do it this new way so that's now. why school's kind of not necessary that that's what kind of struck me about this book was you know the it's so much about scouting mm-hmm. right? and of course it's published in boy's life and that's a big part of the audience and scouting was when was it? When was Boy Scouts of America founded? Like early, very late, yeah, very late nineteenth, yeah, very early twentieth. It's when the frontier is already closed, right? And it's very much an urban phenomenon and very much middle class. It's it's one of the progressive era. It's one of these urban civic organizations producing the progressive era to try to come to terms with this new urban America, right? So yeah, you, the boys go out to the camping, right? They they learn these skills. It's not just about empire. Maybe for the British Boy Scouts, it yeah, was empire. But I think in the American case, yeah, it's, it's shouted it's out in his, the Baden Powell Scouts, right? Yeah, Baden yeah. Powell gets yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's he's the guy who kicked it off, right? Yeah, he's the, the Boer War veteran, right? Right. And it's like, hey, kids, you want to? I mean, that the, that's the appeal. Right when I was a little kid, I liked I like army guys. I, I thought, oh, that's cool. You get to have a uniform and people salute you, and you get to carry a gun and you get to shoot shoot at people. That's cool, right? Um, so it, I mean, it, they literally do all the things that little boys want to do, right? I, except for you know going to the tent with a scoutmaster, and <laughs> that's not so good. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you get to go out in the woods and hit things. <laughs> Um, it, it, other boys have to salute you. You get a bunch of badges, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't actually know that boys salute each other in scouts. 
Uh, they got Being a special outsider to a, the whole a special two finger salute, I believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you 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 do the salute to the flag. I think it's, and your scoutmaster and others in BSA. You don't salute each other as like a rank, right? You no, but rank. yeah, there is rank. You, know, you are supposed to listen to the older boys who have more you know experience than you. But it's not like you're not saluting them like in the military. No, yeah, I was in Girl Scouts. You do the salute when you do like the Boy Scout You fight this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, did you start in brownies, or did you did you level up to uh, girl? Like I, 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 yeah, started in brownies, leveled up to Girl Scout. Yeah, you know, got a few badges, but you know, never went for you know high rank or anything like that. But, My you sister know, we was went in brownies. Camping a few times. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure the rules are a bit different for. Or for Girl Scouts than Boy Scouts, but I don't remember ever saluting anybody. No, but there is a salute, and and uh, like maybe maybe the British way, but you know, there's there's a that that kind of Euro American tension is even in this book a little bit. Oh yeah, know? that's why I kept thinking about the frontier. With that at the end of the book, where you get this uh, this discussion of the Malthusian logic of all this, right? Mm. Like mm-hmm. this idea that oh, the frontier will be the the safety valve for pressures back on Earth. And the guy's like, no, well, the demography doesn't work, you know. But building colonies, we think that is worthwhile in itself. The colonies need not be affected by the war, which mm-hmm. he says is going to come, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think they will be, not much. It is. It will be like America was up to the end of the 19th century. European troubles passed her by. Oh, I rather expect the war when it comes will be of such size and duration that the interplanetary travel will cease to be for a considerable period. So... Yeah, didn't uh, mention the Civil War, <laughs> European problems. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all all the domestic murder of the natives. Ah, nah, 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 that's not important. <laughs> it's European problems that are are, are the issue. Um, well, so it is a pretty yeah, grim view of humanity. But that's that's to really, take. I think, why these these civic organizations in the Progressive Era were so important is because they were. It was kind of traumatic, I guess, for these Jeffersonians, you know, to realize that there's no more frontier, you know. Jefferson thought the Louisiana Purchase would give America space for two centuries or something. Hmm. It was filled up in a generation. And you got these cities and all these urban problems emerging and immigrants coming in. And it's, you know, and all these different groups are like, well, how, what do you do with that? Well, we'll form Boy Scouts. We form Lions Clubs and, you know, Salvation Army. and, yeah. The, yeah, all, all these things. All these, all these attempts at bootstrapping <laughs> Uh, civic mm-hmm. organizations into America. Yeah. So, so Paul, you you uh, you were not a scout, I take it. I was I was never a scout. I was born and raised in New York City, and that doesn't mean you can't be a scout. Well, no, no, no. But well, let me finish. My fa- my family was not the richest family ever. So, no, we we didn't get to go do things like boys. There was there was something in New York called Young People's Day Camp that I asked my parents to go a number of years, and nope. Could afford it, so mm-hmm. no, I, I never. Yeah, got there to is that. actually that. That was part of my reason. My, so my sister, I don't know if she chose to go in brownies or she, she pushed, she got pushed into it or whatever. But my sister was in brownies, and at the same time, there was like, uh, Jesse, you should go into scouts, and I'm like, I get to wear a belt with a pouch on it. I'm there <laughs> because I can put a knife in it. Oh my God. This is amazing. So I, I went to a meeting and at the end of the meeting, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And, uh, the, uh, the, I, 
on, not the only reason, but a large part of it was like you have to buy your own uniform. I'm poor. It's expensive. It is, yeah. uh, and you're buying those badges that you're putting you on yourself. Exactly, right? Like, so th- 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 I thought I mean, it was. You uh, have to earn them, but you also have. To oh, but then you have to buy them too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at this, like, I, this is a lot of money. I need comics. <laughs> I don't have an income. <laughs> when am I going to get this? So, uh, but that was actually not the clincher. And it's, it's, it's very weird. I'm a very weird person because even that young, I, the, the clincher for me not joining was you had to swear allegiance to the queen. And I w- I'm like, I don't know her. I, I can't <laughs> sign up for that. Hmm. And, and, and so, yeah, like, you know, you were saying it was to the flag, Evan. Um, I think it was to the queen in Canada. And my sister, I don't know yeah, what think, her motivation was. actually like the, the motto or whatever, or is it, or is it the slogan? I forget which one it is. It's Whichever different. one it was, you, you, know, you had to take an oath and it was so like, it was like God obedience. in country. Yeah. And maybe free. So it was. So they would do yeah, like rallies. Queen they would send scouts from the U.S. to uh, the U.K. for a jamboree, right? Um, they would move them around the world, and you're all, we're all scouting all over the planet together. Um, but ultimately, it was like a it was a uh, an organization that is quasi paramilitary, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it feeds into. Um, uh, like uh, I know a number of my students, um, one of the first things they do when they, you know, you move, uh, that's how, when I moved to where we moved to, uh, when I was a kid, we, um, that was one of the things you do, you sort of get involved in the community, right? And so one, yeah. one of the things they had was, um, scouting. Um, but some of my students, they come to Canada and they like, they join the, um, the cadets, right? Like the Navy cadets. Or the air cadets, or the army cadets. Like ROTC, right? I suppose. It is right. It, it, it's like, it's it's ROTC, but it's outside of uh, the school system. The school system. We don't have uh, mm-hmm. university recruiting of military, but we do have, um, uh, you know, military universities. And if you are going to be uh, going into the officer corps, you want to have that as your background. So. If you want to be in the army and you want to have people salute you and not be a grunt digging ditches and burning latrine shit, then you need to uh, go into cadets. So it's like a lot of my students will, well, they're looking for things to fill in their resume, you know, and it's really weird. Think of it as a resume, but that's what it is. It's, it's uh, how they're going to get into university and become one of the elites and their parents are putting them into all sorts of programs that they think will help them. And one, some of them would be cadets, which is, it's really weird to think of somebody, you know, you get off the boat, you, you get into a house and you start going to school and then you're in the, the cadets for a country you've barely been in for like a year. Not yeah, even. It really is. How it's old strange. are they? How old are these Teenagers, kids? teenagers, right? So if you're, if you go into air cadets, that means you get to, uh, do gliding, like, uh, Air, air gliding, right? If you go into the Navy cadets, you, you go by gliding, like air, you know, you get a glider, go into yeah, a glider. Gliders, wow. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you don't do it right away, but they, they, it's it's the same with regular Army cadets, right? Eventually, you get to play with guns, rifles. Um, so it it's a way of pushing people into a system 
where there is a rank and authority and all that. I, I, somehow I knew that, I think, when I was very young. I was like, this this is a scam. <laughs> I have to buy all this shit, and um, I, I have to swear to be obedient to somebody who I'm, I've never met. That's not that's not cool. So how did how did you get out of uh, this cult, Evan? <laughs> cult? Wow. I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with your your interpretation. I I've, I've never I never joined. It's about rank and resume. I, I think that's not a significant part of it. I mean, um, he, his he's still at the end of this thing, right? He's still saying, "I'm going to get my merit badges." Like, why? Because he's already he's already. I mean, so many things happen in the book that are what we would call coincidence, uh, sort of making our hero a hero when uh, the asteroid or, yeah, meteorite hits the spaceship, right? He just happens to be the one there. They discover alien artifacts on Ganymede. Um, you know, there's a lot of coincidental stuff for him. That's okay. I'm I'm okay with that. But ultimately... At the end of the book, we think of him as a grown man in a certain sense, and yet he's still into this scouting thing. Is that just Heinlein saying, uh, well, I am writing for Boy Scout magazine, or is he, uh, I, I, is he buying I think into the it? The joyless interpretation is accurate here. He's writing for Boy Scout magazine, so he has to promote a pro scout viewpoint from start to finish. That makes yeah. sense. It's, it's harder to come up with a Watsonian perspective as to why in the, in the story why he would not why he would continue to be in the scouts after all he's been through and now he's homesteading and whatnot like why we why do you still want to be a scout i can see you being like maybe a, like a he's hanging on to it because he's lost so much um uh he's he's put aside some of his dreams he's, he's uh, lost, lost his yeah lost peggy's been lost yeah right that, that's that's but fair. he's gonna that's get fun. gretchen and plus, he's pretty good at kidding um, himself about what he is going to yeah, do in the future. Yeah, yeah, Gretchen. I, I, I mean, I, I think Marissa and Trish might have opinions about how Gretchen is portrayed in this book. <laughs> I have opinions, but you know, I think they'd be better articulate. They might better articulate. Well, she's them. barely in it. <laughs> Gretchen <laughs> didn't really bother me. I'm more, much more bothered by poor Peggy, poor Potty. <laughs> what does Heinlein yeah, yeah. have against sisters? <laughs> um, um, so, 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 so when I tweeted about that, I was reading that someone. Someone in a rot thirteen said, "I didn't like how this novel did the pot cane of Mars bit." And I thought, "Oh yeah, Peggy, right? Killing off the girls is what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. We get a senseless death for no good reason. Doesn't it doesn't do anything? Somebody needs to be refrigerated, Paul. (laughs) No, they don't. No, they don't. Well, I mean, I I can understand that 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 not everybody's will can do well and and he needed he needed a scapegoat for that and and he got to replace her with two boys that's right twins (laughs) (laughs) which is you know better for the scout he can be the scout master there you go two two new boy scouts (laughs) i mean they literally do scouting right at the end of the book they're they're like doing field patrols and stuff right and almost everything that happens in it uh like Remember, as soon as they get off the spaceship, right? Some some doofus uh, on a tra- uh, tractor says, "Hey, you, 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 you all help with the baggage." And what do the Boy Scouts do? They do. They, they help do. old ladies across I, the road. Yeah, and and the Boy Scouts help raise the raise the house. And mm-hmm. there's definitely. I mean, I mean, again, going back to the Doyle's interpretation, he's trying to promote the Boy Scouts as a 
the positive organization, even here in the future on Ganymede. The Boy Scouts are can do. Yo, yay, Boy Scouts. Yeah, but he, I mean, he wore his Boy Scout uniform underneath to, 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 <laughs> to get like, on the ship. It's yeah. part of his skin. It's, yeah. it's him. He is a scout as much as his bones are in the scouts. Yes. So. Uh, and even uh, uh, the, the other thing that's so funny is um, at the end, he suffers uh, appendicitis, right? And this is right. this is the sort of thing like that scouts are supposed to. The reason you're learning is so you can be interactive with the world. And when somebody has a problem, like an old lady falls down on the sidewalk, you know exactly what to do. You pull out your, you open your little belt pouch and you pull out your whistle and you go, <laughs> and then you direct <laughs> other people to call the ambulance because this woman has a subdural hematoma. Right? <laughs> this is this is what those merit badges are for. Right is is sort of being, yeah is so you can identify uh, you know start fires when your plane crashes in the middle of the woods, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's it's funny to think of it that way. But um, Heinlein's very Boy Scout pro, right? Like even in the scenes that aren't Boy Scouts jamboree scenes, right? He's he's exemplifying the the Boy Scout mentality and 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 yet it's a part it's a separate part of his life he says i need to go back to the meetings right and i was thinking one of the things that's missing in this book uh about a colony on a distant planet that's you know it's made up of very american foreigners um did you notice the name of the japanese kid the Japanese scout? Yes, I did. I sure did. Douglas MacArthur. Okija- Okajima, I think. <laughs> Douglas MacArthur Okajima or something like that. I was like, um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's possible that, that there are some Japanese kids who are named Douglas MacArthur. Um, but, uh. I mean, maybe he was an American. Uh, absolutely. It's possible. Uh, but I also noticed that there was like a Russian kid, right? There was Sergey. Yeah, Sergey. And then there's also the, the German family next door, right? So it's, it's trying to be very international and I like that. But ultimately, um, it is the triumph of the American future, even when the earth is fucking falling apart and ev- it's a holy, it's a super dystopia on earth, right? What little we see yeah. of it. Eventually we find out that his, uh, his apartment didn't have any windows. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> First time I saw a window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we have to reduce the the calorie ration again. That's like, right. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. And and what do they do with their their dinner plates? They burn them. They burn everything. Right. Yeah. There's no space. There's no space, and there's no food. There's no ca- I mean, I, I room in the. It's like a bad PK day future. Yeah. Well, except uh, this is, I think, this is the part that I thought tr- uh, would trigger for Evan is it is that Methuselah idea that yeah, there's going to be over. I had a feeling, and and Malthusian. It, Malth- <laughs> Methusian, yeah, yeah, not Methuselah. <laughs> That's a different guy. <laughs> this is that. I mean, when did growth rates peak? Like 1962 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like for natural increase rate for the planet peaked around then, which is right when Eldred wrote the population bomb. It's when you got that 
horrible Star Trek well, episode. He, he averted it by writing that book. Everybody suddenly, oh, we got to stop having so many babies, right? No. No? That's oh, okay. How, that's not how it works and how any of this okay. works. All right. Well, <laughs> it, it um, yeah, works for China. The, the reason I think it's saying... important to, to talk about this, because there it are is. still a lot of Malthusians out there. Absolutely. They're kind of making a comeback. It's Right. Um, Every in, day on social media, I see multiple people saying, well, there's too many people on the planet. You know, that's, that we'll solve problems if we just have fewer kids or something. What were you going to say, Trish? Just in, in the book, Farmer in the Sky, uh, he was saying, oh, it's horrible. The population of California is 55 million in in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked it up, and in 2021, the co- population is about 39 and a half million. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know they're they're crowded and they have water shortages sometimes, but they certainly don't have food shortages in California. Mm, depends on what household you're in, but yeah, I, well, uh, I, I, the, the stores have food. If, if if it were evenly distributed, <laughs> absolutely, there would be no food shortages. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, he he he's wrong. <laughs> he's wrong in that part. He, I mean, Heinlein's wrong about all sorts of stuff. That that yeah, scout- I don't think that's really one of the important things that he's wrong yeah, about. I'm yeah. more bothered by his grim view that the only version of birth control humanity will ever have is wars. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Well, he also has a uh, character that it's, there's not a lot of Heinleinian old man characters in this book, uh, which is surprising because usually they're, he's very prominently displayed as a guy with a beard, right? But uh, on that final scouting mission, they sit around the campfire or whatever, and uh, one of them, who's growing a beard, <laughs> right? um, and, and he's ultimately not going to go to Earth, he says. And he says, uh, between 40 and 60 years from now, there will be a war. Like, that that's like the worst. <laughs> like, you did your calculations all off screen, bud. Right. <laughs> uh, he, your work. Uh, he absolutely does not. And, and that, that's the stuff about Heinlein that drives me up the fucking wall is that in this book that's so awesome for like, you know, I, I, I'm confident that Heinlein did all the calculations so that he knows how often an alignment between all the moons of Jupiter line up. Where the arc is in the sky, what, you know, the fact that they're tidally locked. He's using the best science at the time to do an amazing job of all of that stuff, right? And then. Turns out actually, the -hmm. the moons actually don't work that way. Of course not, but we, it was 1950. We, we didn't send any probes out there, right? I think we knew the orbits of the moons in 1950. Uh, well, we they started uh, working so, on that in Galileo's time. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, so, so I think we I think we knew be, I think we knew because we knew the resonances of the moons that it was impossible. I think Heinlein did it just because it was cool. And, well, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was also for the I I, I guess I remembered it. I like this is going to cause an earthquake or uh, Ganymede quake, right? I must have yeah. remembered it from before. But this is sort of a also a idea that. We hear about like whenever there's an alignment of uh, Mars and Venus or something, people get super moon, super Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then there, you'll see like some tiny little rumblings about uh, it's going to cause earthquakes and tidal waves. Right? <laughs> it's like yeah. the effects yeah, are the very implications. <laughs> well, that uh, honestly, that's been replaced by sort of these kind of 
superstition stuff. Oh, I, I, I wanted to point, I, I was talking about something and I forgot my point. Earlier, I wanted to point out what's missing from this colony, right? And it's religion. There's no churches. Absolutely none. And, 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 for, and for a frontier society, which is that's so what I'm saying, grounded in civic organization and organizations, it is a giant lack. I mean, I, it's about time for me to go. But yeah, I just want to say, yeah, it's like we're. I mean, where's we? Where's where's the church? Where's the Lutherans, the Methodists, the the good salt of the earth people who would colonize such places? I mean, we talk about Scandinavia. I mean, there's a, they have Scandinavian neighbors. I was expecting them to be Lutherans. No mention of a church whatsoever. I, I think mean, that that might be deliberate, but it's also very interesting, right? It's very interesting. Because, it, it, you know, if you think of the American frontier, no matter where they go, they bring their religion with them. I mean, that, they bring it into the war, and, right? And, 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 well, maybe they did it on purpose. Bring it, but, but also it gets amplified. I mean, if, the I mean, colonists, if the colonists you know, did it on purpose – um, it's not not mentioned. Nobody on the ships mention it. None of the colonists mention it, right? Our hero doesn't mention it. Maybe he's not interested, I guess. But the fact that nobody else is talking about it uh, is it don't it, it makes me think that it's Heinlein's not an oversight. It's a deliberate oversight. A deliberate choice, yes. Yes, religion has become irrelevant by this point in humanity's. And that's the thing is, when you read Heinlein, you don't say this is a very religious man, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he respects all sorts of silly traditions because, you know, because they're old. He's kind of conservative in that respect, right? He thinks, you know, that's just how people are, right? They eat different food than us. That's okay. Um, but they're all scouts together. That's their religion. There was a there was a mention of um, when they got to their farm and the dad says uh, Golgotha. Right, right. Uh-huh. And what does he do? And, uh, he, he gets the tractor and smashes that rock. Smash, that, but I mean, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Thank. That's a good catch there. Uh-huh. So yeah, I, I I think it's more like. No, we're not going to have a religion in this in this new frontier, this new world. Yeah, it's like it's not. Yeah, they mention Armageddon at and, some point too. Yeah, and then and and um and they have the, the only tree, the only tree right. on that planet is an apple tree. I mean, so uh, like, and they <laughs> chop it down and, we, <laughs> and, and burn we, it. <laughs> it's the most beautiful tree. In fact, I thought that would be a great title for the for the book. The um the only tree on Ganymede, or the most beautiful tree on Ganymede. That's, that's a great title. Right. Okay, I gotta go, guys. My players are waiting for me. Have so. a good one, Paul. We miss you, Paul. Take care, right. Paul. Take care. Have a good me- Have a good scout meeting. <laughs> scout meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, he. But you know what else he? He you know what else he says? He says, um, we we did not bring weeds, which. Right. I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to <laughs> cross over and pollinate that with religion, but <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I really like. There's a lot of things to like in this book, right? Uh, the stuff talking about ecology is awesome, and then uh, he proceeds to say, "We know what we're doing." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you don't want to bring rabbits because that's going to screw up. Uh, unless you bring also, uh, coyotes or whatever, right? Um, but, uh, it ultimately, I think he, just maybe for the purposes of being able to write a book, 
he had to sort of dumb it down and say, yeah, there's no weeds. But weeds are anything you don't want, right? Mm-hmm. But That's some, what I'm saying. But the, the, but the thing is, is you don't know always what you don't want. Right. Some people, some people want, uh, to smoke marijuana and they, some of those people call it weed. Right. (laughs) Now it is a weed. The idea that you know everything the soil needs and you're just going to irradiate, sterilize Mm -hmm. everything and then add back a few elements. It's, it's pretty, uh, Pretty so, impressively self-confident to think, okay, we've got – we yeah. completely have the equation and uh, – So they got rid of lockjaw, right? They took out the – That's kind of how agriculture is these days. It, it is, right? Commercial agriculture. Everything is – the soil's all planned with scientific precision. You know, farmers probably do a lot of their work behind computers now. You know, you got all the genetically modified seeds made mm-hmm. by Monsanto. Mm-hmm. So – you know, that's, I mean, not traditional agriculture, of course. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not uh, saying it wasn't. Modern commercial agriculture, it's, it might be a, quite a lot like it's being described here. Like, I don't know, is are weeds even that much of an issue in modern commercial farming? Right. I'm not saying that it's not <laughs> realistic for Heinlein mm-hmm. to have had the, the agronomists thinking they know everything that the soil needs. It would it would just struck me as um, and that it, yeah that it it works I mean, out perfectly from an ecological standpoint. It's there's a broader issue. It's like you don't know what those weeds might have, might have a function. That's, that's right. That's, right. That, that's, that's part of if it. you don't know why you need clover, you don't mm-hmm. Upon, mm-hmm. bring clover. Um, there's a kind of interesting play between what's happening on earth and what's happening on ganymede right the 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 scene as soon as they land they you know they don't have housing that all these immigrants right i i thought it was a really interesting immigrant uh sort of lens to put it through there's this other country sending you sending you people across your border which is i guess the space (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then they they don't you don't ask for all these colonists they just keep sending them and as soon as they land you say well we don't have housing for you that's not on us right we're going to do our best for you um yeah you don't have a house to share with your wife you have to go live in the boys dorm but when you get to the dinner table endless food right and there was a somebody i think i retweeted it uh a list of all the food that he he sees on the table, right, and what he he gets to eat, and he's so excited about it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's and, a lot of food porn in this. It was right, and the thing yeah, is, I this, do wonder what who who Bill was talking to in all this thing. <laughs> well, he, you know, who was he? There's a couple of hints. There's a couple of hints. Um, early on in the book, he says, "Oh, uh, it's when he gets the meteorite, right." Um, mm-hmm. he, he's given it by the ship's captain or whatever. Um, again, an- another very Boy Scout sort of scene where yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you have the drill and everybody sh- reports and then it's captain's mast, I guess, in this case. But, um, he, he gets the reward, right? And it's, it's, I've just watched an episode of Voyager where, uh, uh, Tuvok was promoted, right? And then we watch a couple more episodes down the road, and then, uh, uh, not Kim, um, Paris. Paris gets demoted, <laughs> and so it's 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 actually starts in the same way. You report, you don't know what the scene's about, and at the and the 
opening scene is the exact same. A bunch of people standing around looking grim. And then one of them gets promoted and everybody's happy. And then the other one gets demoted. And and also he gets 30 days in solitary confinement. <sighs> Federation's a nightmare, yo. <laughs> solitary. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Anyways, um, that list of food was really... I mean, it was delicious. Right? We wanted to eat all that food that was being presented to us just in words. But then he goes on to point out that all of the, uh, all of the food was not tree born, right? It was all ground food. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they had a few strawberries. Things by the house that they were, they were going to have to hand pollinate or that Molly would have to hand pollinate because the, they didn't have the, bees yet. Their bees are, their yeah. bees can't fly. <laughs> Um, let's see if I can get that list of, of food. I, I have, I have, oh. the, is it for breakfast? That's that yeah, part? sounds good. For breakfast, we had corn cakes with syrup and real butter, little sausages, real ham, strawberries with cream so thick I didn't know what it was, tea, all the milk you could drink, tomato juice, honeydew melons, eggs, as many as you wanted. I want that. Keep going. <laughs> that's Well, that's where I ran out. I think they go to the next I, page here. Yeah, I also thought the... Punishment was interesting for for the boy who wandered away from the cabin. Um, you know, uh, bread. You're on bread and water now. Um, you know, right. so he wasn't confined anywhere. Yeah, but, um, no solitaire for him. But you know, it sounds like on Earth a whole lot of people would have been happy to have bread and water. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, there the, a a lot of the fun of this book is seeing seeing him see this place with new eyes right uh, even yeah, there even are that a lot of nice little touches throughout the book of subtle world building that oh I yeah know. and some of it He's is so not good subtle at it at all. So subtle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but some of it is and i i enjoyed that uh mixture here's uh lunch lunch was a choice of corn chowder or jellied somme i don't know what that is oh uh, consomme I know what that is. <laughs> Cheese souffle, fried chicken, corned beef and cabbage, hominy grits with syrup, eggplant au gratin, little pearl onion scalloped with cucumbers, baked stuffed potatoes, sweet potato surprise, German fried Irish potatoes, tossed endive, coleslaw with your, with your, a lot of German food, uh, coleslaw with your cream, pineapple and cottage cheese with lettuce. There was peppermint ice cream, angel berry pie. Wow. Frozen eggnog, raspberry ice, and three kinds of pudding. And then he says, I guess I eat too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally we get supper. The first supper was mushroom soup, baked ham, roast turkey, hot cornbread with butter, jellied cold meats, creamed asparagus, mashed potatoes, and giblet gravy, Sp spinach with hard-boiled eggs and grated cheese, corn pudding, cream peas, and carrots, smothered lettuce, and three kinds of salad. There was a frozen custard and raisin pudding with hard sauce and mal malaga and Thompson grapes and more strawberries with powdered sugar. Besides that, you could drop into the kitchen and get a snack anytime you felt like it. <laughs> so um, it's like uh, lumberjack food, right? Uh, you work hard mm -hmm. all day and you come home. Uh, your wife has been busy making you a giant lumberjack sandwich or whatever. Farmer's farmer sandwich, um, or maybe that's just for lunch, right? And then you have this huge meal for the because you, you're burning off all that energy, you know, tilling the fields. Right. Mm -hmm. No need to count calories because you're going to burn it all off. Indeed, anyway. indeed. And you only with hardly anything anyway. <laughs> and then 
And then we have, you know, them settling in, making the farm. And then there's this basically disaster, planetary disaster, right? Uh, on a scale that is hard to uh, replicate, other than the fact that there's not that many people, you know, 40,000 people or whatever, um, that the it starts to rain and then it starts to snow. And then I get the sense that uh, we're getting sublimation, like um, the carbon dioxide is turning into a... Because he says uh, it started to tingle when it uh, touched... But I doubt it was that. But there's a um, Fritz Leiber story you all may know. Um, I'm trying to remember the title of it. But it's basically uh, the Earth uh, was told from the point of view of a little boy and his family who are living on Earth after a natural disaster in which a rogue uh, black hole goes near the Earth and drags it off into space. Away from the sun. And, um, oh, I know, I remember the title. It's called A Pale of Air. Um, so, uh, they are living in, you know, the bowels of a skyscraper in New York or something. And, uh, they get their warmth from, from burning coal. But, uh, they have to go, they send the little boy out. Uh, through endless layers of blankets they've hung up um, because there's no atmosphere outside, right? It's all precipitated out into various layers of frozen uh, ice. So there's a layer of carbon dioxide and a layer of nitrogen and a layer of oxygen. So the boy goes out for a pail of air. He brings it into the into the house, which is at the bottom of a giant skyscraper, um, and puts the pail of air by the fire so it can melt right and uh it's a it's an amazing story and that sounds so good it is really good and what's so interesting about it is it's based on the fact that yeah if you're pluto or you're one of these distant you know orbiting planets or moons uh you know like there are ones with atmospheres like was it titan has a, a nitrogen atmosphere and it has like liquid liquid lakes and stuff on it, but they're, you know, they're not water, right? Because it won't, it won't freeze. At, uh, water would be long gone, right? It's uh, f- frozen forever. But if you're going to have liquid out there, it has to be liquid nitrogen or something. So in, in this, in this uh, amazing scene where we see a, I want to call it a planet, <laughs> uh, the moon of Jupiter, Ganymede, um, going from its terraform state or semi-terraform state into its original state, the atmosphere is starting to sublimate, right? Turn into, first of all, water ice. Then the atmosphere is turning into, uh, he said it was like minus 70. I was thinking he mm-hmm. must be talking Fahrenheit, right? Um, and then it warms up to minus 20 when the sun comes out. Or when they turn towards the sun. So it, he's doing all these these cool math things. And then he's got a story in amongst it. And he did it in like six and a half hours. Dude, <laughs> this is an awesome book. <laughs> right? It's really good. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a good book. I was a little thrown by the alien thing at the end. Mm. But really just seemed 
tacked on. It did um, seem tacked on, but I liked it there. Mm-hmm. I liked it too. I, I, yeah, it does seem it's, tacked it's on. It's a well-constructed book. Um, you know, there are some more elements I want to talk about, but overall it was enjoyable. And um, uh, uh, if you can put aside the whole sister killing thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I put her aside. I buried right. her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk uh, about the father-son uh, conflict that I mentioned mm. earlier. Mm-hmm. You, first of all, you start off with um, Bill calling his mom and dad, Anne and George. Yep. And when his father calls him son, he corrects him. Uh, sorry. Yeah. When his father calls him son, he corrects him and says, call me Bill. Mm-hmm. And the dad goes along with that. And I wasn't sure if that was... Some kind of modern civilization thing or some kind of ongoing issue between them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also. Um, what do you call your I, mom? Mom. What and about your dad? Daddy. And, and Peggy, <laughs> that's what I called him. Uh, well, Peggy calls George dad, too. Yes, he does. Yeah. He, he, but he calls him dad to us. He doesn't say George. Uh, oh, right, right. To he us, addresses right? him as George. That's right. He calls him. He calls him dad to us because they they have a formal relationship. Um, right. Uh, I want to go into the when. Uh, w- wait, uh, Trish. Immigration. When yes. do you call your mom by her name and your dad by uh, his name? Never. <laughs> never. I don't think I ever called her Tina. I, I mean, I you knew you knew her name, but you never used it. Oh, I knew her name. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mice, what about your parents? Do you call them mom and dad or do you call them by their names? Uh, I call them uh, mom and dad, but I sometimes call my mother Layla. And why do you call her that instead of mom? Uh, I think if I want to make a point. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Evan, what do you call your parents? Asshole. <laughs> what do you call them? Mom and dad? Just mom and dad, yeah. Okay. But you never, there was never a point in your life where you called them um, by their names? I can't think of any. Yeah. So, I, it's never. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. Not, so, I, I, I almost I never call my mother mom. Almost never. And uh, I think it started because we are running a business. And mm-hmm. if I say, hey, mom, somebody needs help at the cash register. That sounds a bit weird because it sort okay. of defocuses, defocuses um, your relationship with a customer. Right. Uh-huh. And it sort of gets them off track. Right. Um, what you want to do is keep them on track. <laughs> so um, it's a, also about power. When mom and dad get to call you by their name, you know, mm-hmm. you're by your name, but you don't get to call them by their name, then you're not equal in power. So I didn't do it when I was like four. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably didn't know my mom's name at four. I don't, I mean, maybe I did, I, but, um, the fact that you get a name before your parents get names is important. I think that eventually people do sort of start thinking of, their parents by their first name. I think at least if certain circumstances apply, right? Like, um, I don't think I ever got to call my dad by his name. 
because I he died when I was too young. Mm. But if he was around today, I wouldn't be calling him dad all the time, I doubt. Even though, I, you know, I had a nice relationship with him. So I, I think it's just a sort of maturity and growing up and what your relation, like, if you're being a caregiver to your parent, you can still call them mom and dad, but um, you probably also need to talk to them about stuff. <laughs> but yeah, addressing well, people Bill is definitely trying to assert power in the relationship yes. um you know he thinks of george his father as the naive one um for most things right. although he's, he's right a lot he says but also the whole thing with the cooking he doesn't do it to help out around the house and to be a good son he does it because his Dad is an incompetent cook, he says. Mm -hmm. You know, he wastes the rations and and doesn't doesn't make it taste as good as it should. Head in the clouds. Uh, I I was wondering about that wasting rations thing. If if the father came from a time when there was still enough, yeah, clearly, Mm -hmm. and and he's just he had like the boy, like Will Bill grew up in this time of rations, and like he he has to because this is all he's ever known. But the dad didn't. And right. so he lapses because, you know. I, yeah, it's my an senior. interesting twist on growing up with Depression-era parents who mm-hmm. never, ever waste anything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas we or grow grandparents, up with most yes. of us in a time of plenty. My, 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 one of my uncles, when my grandparents' house was being, you know, sold, they were going through all the books. And they found a, a, uh, a book where it was, you know they keep the the books for the house um and they were like recycling got this amount of money <laughs> um little billy's bike tire one of my uncle's names was bill um or is bill um his bike bike tire got punctured that's going to cost this amount of money <laughs> and it's like they kept it down to the penny right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely kept it down to the penny. And of course, they did very well by not spending all their money on ridiculous things. I mean, keeping track of it. And they, you know, were able to, my grandfather built the house that they bought their property on, right? And they're like, everything gets recycled, right? You don't throw anything out. When I was there and you're eating your bowl of ice cream, you scrape that out. <laughs> That vault at the bottom, <laughs> right? right? There isn't any waste. And so it's not that you're not allowed to spend money, but money doesn't grow on trees. You need to get a little, uh, you need to get a, uh, newspaper delivery job, Jesse. I'm like, I don't want it to get up in the morning. I want to <laughs> sleep in. No, Jesse, you need to do it. Your father did it. Your uncles all did it. You need to do it. Um, but I just want to have an allowance like all my friends. No, Jesse. <laughs> You need to get up at 5 a.m. and deliver newspapers. Okay, I don't want to do this. You're going to do it anyways because it's the right thing to do, Jesse. God damn it. Okay. So that uh, I was thinking of, Micey, you brought up uh, that, that uh, Golgotha rock, right? Mm-hmm. I was thinking um, the same thing happens to his uniform when he stuffs it in the hole. Mm-hmm. Right when he eventually gets the rubber pillow, right, and then they they patch the hole and he gets his uniform back and he says it was all rags, right? right. So he cut off all the badges, but he threw away mm-hmm. the uniform. I was like, that's right. a symbol too, right? Because he he goes to these scout meetings, 
And the first thing he saw, he sees a little, is that a Sergei? Uh, mm-hmm. he sees Sergei with a homemade patch, right? On, and he didn't have a uniform, but he just had the patch somewhere on his clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a sash, maybe. <laughs> I'm imagining a sash now. Um, and then, uh, he, they, they go to the meetings. They, they're doing all the scouting things, but they don't have the uniforms. It's, it's really interesting symbolically, right? It's a, it's like that smashing the Golgotha rock. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's a scout, but he's, he says he's going to take his, his, uh, exam, his merit badge exams, but th- he's going to have to make his own. I think there's a nice metaphor there. It's like uh, really maturing or something. So you don't mm. actually, <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. If you, if, if you take the exam and I say, you pass, now go home and make that badge. <laughs> I was like, well, I could make that badge. I'm going to have to make a sash to put it on and I'm going to be an adult walking around with a sash. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, y- y'all seen those, uh, the Soviet, um, uh, World War II veterans that they bring out for, for the war end day, VE day. They have like, yeah, not so many of those anymore. But not so many photos of that well, ceremonies. Yeah. And, and the guy has like, and the ladies too, they have like so many badges on one side of their chest. They have to start putting on the other side. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's all supposed to be on your left side. Right. But they, 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 they just go down the whole shirt. Right. As like, well, how do that, that, that it's a kind of a great inflation, right? You can't, uh, afford to give them better pay, can't afford to give them uh two weeks vacation. Um, but you need to show that you appreciate them. You give them another badge. So it's, it's, it's fascinating that it's possible he won't take those exams and that he won't put the badges on, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have the skill and hasn't been tested, right? I don't. I, yeah. I, I doubt that Heinlein's saying I'm subverting the Boy Scouts, man. <laughs> 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 with that ending, but the fact that it's combined with the you don't need to go to school on Earth, you can just be a farmer. It's pretty interesting. So, uh, um, Evan, you were saying uh, you were going to do a read through of Heinlein. Um, but you were thinking not of doing it as a podcast, but I think you need to do it as a podcast because <laughs> I think there's tons of stuff to dig out. I, I mean, I, I, I really like this book, but I, I didn't think about it as, as anything other than really interesting when I first read it. I was like, that's really interesting. But I think there's, there are, Heinlein's got themes just like the way Lovecraft and Dick do, right? He's got his hobby horses. Yeah. And, you know, the relationship to government here is, is very subtle compared to like what we saw with Between Planets, where it was a lot more anti-bureaucracy and a lot more, um, pro-independence and stuff like that. Here we're just seeing the colonization. Yeah. We're not seeing the uh, actual war of independence that we expect later on. Well, yeah, I was interested in more adult book though. Is between planets more adult? Comes down to being who your who your audience is. Well, they're both considered juveniles, right? Juvenile novels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's later, I think. Older. Um, it's later. Let's see. 
Is it a year later only? Yeah, nineteen fifty-one. Yeah, Look at that. Hmm. And it was it was written for that was published in um, Blue Book, which is a family magazine rather than a specifically for Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to also point out that um, this is not the only thing he wrote for uh, Boy's Life. He also wrote um, uh, a story called Tramp Spaceship, which um, you do need to read, Mice, because that literally is the inspiration for the Tribbles. <laughs> So many triple inspirations. Trish, what's the name of this book by the regular name? Do you remember? Tramp Spaceship? It's got no. the tribbles. It's got the flat cats. You, oh, you haven't read it? Wow. I, I Flat Cats rings a bell. Okay. I can't remember the title. I, I read it under the British title, which is uh, Space Family Stone. But the uh, more common title, American title, is uh, The Rolling Stones. Uh, have you read it? I have not. Oh, it's a good book. Mice, you're going to really like Flat it. Flat Cats somewhere, but yeah, not, haven't read the book. So Flat Cats are the original Tribbles. Um, mm-hmm. and have it, you already done a show, Jesse, no, on it? No, never done a show on it. Um, huh. So uh, what it is, is there's a family. Uh, I think the father and the mother are a writing team. They write radio drama. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about yes. space, space. It's a space opera radio drama, and they decide to go on vacation. Um, they buy a a spaceship, a used spaceship, um, and then they tour the solar system, uh, mm-hmm. going from planet to planet and moon to moon. Um, and the kids are very industrious, so they start uh, taking on cargo and uh, selling it on the next planet. You know, um, and yeah. one of the one of the moons they go to is uh, probably one of the moons of Ganymede or moons of Jupiter, probably Io or something. What was the next one? Europa is the one they're going to colonize next, right? Um, and they get some native Io. life form. Um, yeah, maybe it's Io. They get some native life form and bring it onto the ship and it starts eating all their food <laughs> and replicating. <laughs> and they take it to the next planet and they sell it there. Um, the flat cats. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. Cool. It's... Uh, it's it was such an inspiration for the that episode of next gen uh regular star trek that um they asked him uh is it okay if we don't credit you on this and he said i didn't invent it <laughs> and he's pointing to a story called pigs is pigs um which is about uh it's a, f- a very funny story um it's by o henry i believe um which is about a uh, a guy who tries to transport his his guinea pigs on the train um and uh he has a breeding pair of guinea pigs and uh the uh, officious bureaucrat who you know tells how much everything costs says that's livestock uh, says you pigs need to pay a special fee for that's that, right huh? and he said no they're pets they're guinea pigs and says i disagree <laughs> and so they <laughs> they put them into storage until uh the uh, you know the bill is paid, and Uh-oh. they keep feeding them. <laughs> and soon, there is like an unlimited amount of guinea pigs. <laughs> hence the the two uh, stories being connected, and hence the tribbles eventually. Um. Anyways, uh, so there's that that one called Tramp Spaceship that comes out in two years, two years later in Boy's Life, and then. Get this. This this is the one we should have uh, studied up for 
uh, for the last one we did, Between Planets. It's one called Tenderfoot in Space. And Tenderfoot in Space is set on Venus. Hmm. Oh, that's a, a title. It, it sounds like such a trope. You uh, know. Right? It just sounds like a trope. But but remember, that's in this book, too. That's what, well, that's what Twig did in my memory, is he says he's just, now I have to be a tenderfoot. Remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like a, one of the, uh, Evan, you must have been a tenderfoot at some point. <laughs> one of the different yeah, level ranks. Was, Eagle Scout right? is the highest, right? Tenderfoot? No, I think it's the the... the the first rank you get. No, yeah, but uh, Eagle Scout's highest. What what are the different ranks? Yeah. How does it work? What are the ranks? Yeah. You 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 went through some There's of them, right? Eagle Life. Who remembers? I don't know. <laughs> I I wasn't in it. Um So it's like it's Tenderfoot, then you got like first second class, Star Life Eagle. That's it. Okay. Uh, another, um, it was like seven ranks. I think when you just join, you're just like, you're just like a private. You're a buck private. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Tenderfoot's your first like bump up. Ah, it's like, uh, master, master corporal. They're like the scout oath. You, you can win, you can wield a hatchet without killing someone. Hey. I only killed three people before this exam, but now I don't kill people (laughs) when I swing it around. <laughs> I'm better now. Um, so uh, in uh, Tenderfoot, I, mean, I don't know what the requirements are now. It might, no it might be fun to look at the the new Scout Handbook. See, because they've good. also uh, they're co- like they have girls troops now. Do they? In in uh, they, I guess they don't Boy call Scouts it Boy Scouts. America, yeah. They yeah. call it, do they still call it Boy Scouts of America? Well, no, they're just called Scouts BSA. They still use the BSA, but. Huh. There, there's all girl troops. Huh. And, I will and, note it is not a merger. However, the uh, Girl Scouts of America yeah, vehemently keep their still... own identity. Well, we're going to need some trans scouts of America soon, because I'm sure there are. Uh, I, 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 I seem to remember there was in the '80s there was like a controversy of allowing atheist scouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember that? And because it was like, now there's a list of things scouts need to be, right? Um, yeah. And in the law. Reverent. Uh, right. And you can't be reverent if you're irreverent. <laughs> uh, again, not something Jesse would have put up with very long, even if he did want that belt pouch so bad. Yeah. I, in practice, I don't think it matters that much. But no, well, it, vocal, If you're a vocal atheist, I think it was an issue when I was going through it. Yeah. yeah. So one of my some 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 kids talked to me about that. Right. One of my friends. I was not an atheist at the time. No, no. Most people, you know, you're young. You don't know. It wasn't until later that I. And they start you young. What What's the age for uh, scouting? You You can't be like three, right? You have to be. Well, cub. Yeah. Like tiger cubs. This is yeah. Like, like kindergarten. Wow. That's that's early indoctrination. So there's two other. <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, seriously, it is. I mean, think about it. Um, the early, uh, do you remember the first, um, Red Dawn? Not the terrible remake, but the 1980s movie? Yeah, the 1980s one. Right. I, 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 I I'm starting to think of it as a very Heinlein <laughs> movie in I a certain see your sense. Point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's Reagan y. Um, it's, 
uh, it's uh, World War Three, right? Um, one of the things that strong women who are yet still subservient to the men. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't have any character who wants to be a woman, though. And so there's that. Um, and there's no line marriages or anything. But um, uh, there, uh, there, there's a speech at the beginning uh, in school where uh, the I guess it's the history teacher is talking about the Mongols. Um, and outside the window, there's a pair, there are, you know, Cubans parachuting in, um, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> I just I love mean, that the, the Nicaraguans and the <laughs> Cubans take over the United <laughs> States. The it's awesome. Um, but, uh, when they round up all the, uh, all the people who own guns, right? The kids who are right. run for the hills. They're the Eagle Scouts. And then when they, they capture the dad and they say, they interrogate them and say, where are your sons or whatever? Um, they, they make a big point about how these, these kids know how to, you know, be in the woods by themselves. They can camp all, all weekend. <laughs> they know how to start fires and they can even rub two sticks together to make a fire. You're never going to catch my sons. It's sort of like the, uh, original, uh, you know, we're, we're tough. We're Americans. We, we can handle this. You, your invasion will fail. And which it ultimately does, right? Um, but, uh, the fact that they're out there in the woods and they're Eagle Scouts means that they can take it. Right? They can defeat the Soviets with their <laughs> tanks. But, uh, and the thing is, is it's like a, it's a really weird analogy for like Afghanistan, right? It, uh, I think when they did the remake, if you haven't seen this god awful monstrosity of a terrible movie, Not um, planning to. <laughs> they made it the North Koreans invaded the United States, <laughs> not the Soviet Union's, not China, North Korea. Um, <laughs> that is for movie land reasons, you know. You don't want to offend your big aud- potential. Uh, yeah, clearly, right. So. Um, uh, there aren't going to be many North Koreans watching the movie. But so there is no, no. Go ahead and make them the villain. There is another. Um, there's actually a kind of Australian remake of it as well, and it was China invading Australia. Uh, and it it's it didn't. I don't remember having the scout thing, but there is this idea of um, we people of the the hard scrabble lands. We know how to take care of ourselves, and. Uh, when you can get a merit badge and, you know, stick that on there, it makes you feel proud, right? And there's this idea of, of leveling up and, and, uh, obedience to authority and love of country and literal love of the countryside, right? It, I think if you're a Boy Scout in, in New York, I didn't get to ask Paul enough about this, but even in, you know, a metropolis of New York, they don't just take you out to Central Park. They take you out to like actual backwoods New York, right? It is about yeah. sort of faking the, um, I want to say homeless experience, but actually it's not. It's, it's the war experience where you go out in the forest, march for a while, and then make camp, and then march around again. But, uh, one of the best, march? a lot of Hiking, marching. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. You're a line of guys walking into the forest, right? And you're wearing a uniform. But one of the things that struck me about um, one thing I heard about, you know, during World War II, Americans uh, drafted into the army are in Europe. And he said it was a lot like being homeless, right? The difference was 
there was hot food occasionally, right? But you're packing in all your stuff. You're living dirty. You're not shaving. You don't have, you know, heat. And you, and also people shoot at you. <laughs> so it's like being homeless, dirty, cold, but every once in a while there would be a relief. And it's kind of a similar effect, but, uh, maybe, maybe I'm a little reading too much into this as a World War II experience. I don't think that that is necessarily in this book at all, but I, it just strikes me as that the scouting experience is, it's pretty weird. It, it, if, if you don't have the political and historical context for it, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Because I, I didn't understand it when I was a kid. I just wanted that belt pouch, and the you know, and uh, maybe the neckerchief. And <laughs> I like looking through the catalog, right? Saying I could have that on my uniform. Oh boy! But then you know, I have to buy the merit badges. There's something wrong. There was something wrong about it from the beginning. Like when you're in the army, they don't make you buy your medals, right? They give them to you. Right, but I mean, there's no. Boy Scout tax to, to, <laughs> to fund. Luckily, luckily, there there's a funding drive, and I see. In fact, it's strange. I, there's not that much scouting around here, but there is a lot of um, like we'll see cadets outside of oh, not right now, but when there was like uh, pre-pandemic, you would see not girl guide cookies, but rather cadets uh, standing in uniform outside of grocery stores and malls. They're getting a funding drive, so they can... That was the worst part of scouting, was, like, raising money for the troop. Right, right. It seems that insane. Stuff. I didn't mind, like, going door-to-door for, like, food banking. That that was kind of... Bottle drives. Happy. Yeah, the food banking was nice, but... Uh, it, it really... Like, it's training, Asking though, for right? money or trying to sell... Like, we... There was a time where we were trying to sell, like, these oil changes. Like, we got these <laughs> oil change certificates. The troop bought them for, like, $10 each, but we sold them for, like, 20 I don't know, something. Like that. Or we bought them for 5 and sold them for 10 mm-hmm. I don't know, with inflation. Whatever it is. It was, we had to sell these. I, I didn't want to go around to people. Child labor sucks, this stuff. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It really, and, and the thing is, is it could be fun. Like, if, you're, if your family is rich, right, and this is what – People do. They just, we just buy give it, it to your family member, and they buy it, right? They buy all your girl scout cookies or whatever. I don't know what the boy scout, boy scouts have to do worse stuff probably than girl scout <laughs> cookies. Those girl, uh, I, uh, there should be a troop of boy scouts in the girl scouts now, just to make things fair. There should be right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's it's like uh, women can play professional uh, hockey, but uh, men can't play in the women's hockey league. It's not fair. Yeah. I mean, there's probably good reason not to in hockey. I think it was like girls were arguing we should get in the Boy Scouts because, like, the, the ex- you know they're arguing the experience was like better or more difficult. That's probably right? true. Uh, I mean, so they wanted to, you know, I don't know. My my niece is in Girl Scouts, but the only time I ever hear about it is when she's selling cookies. <laughs> 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 Okay, there are a few more book points I want yeah, to Yeah, no, go for it. I have to go. Um, uh, okay, so first of all, we've brushed on this a little bit, but the whole govern- government bureaucracy thing, I think it's important. I mean, important and interesting that Heinlein does make the point here that 
pioneers need good neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, the Schultzes helped Bill so much. So, you know, so much for absolute self-reliance, which is what a lot of people hear as Heinlein's big point, you know, specialization is for insects. Mm-hmm. But he's not saying, you know, no, nobody should rely on each other or help each other. Um, he does say it's no good waiting for the government to provide you your soil and stuff on Ganymede. You have yeah, to go and I hate his straw man. But he's not saying people shouldn't be interdependent. No, no. Yeah, you know, he's very subtle. I mean, the, I was thinking about, there's a, remember there's the boy called Noisy? Yes. <laughs> um, and he punches our hero in the face a couple of times, beats him up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he never gets his revenge, right? And I think, oh, that's right. That's right. interesting. After a while, it doesn't seem so important anymore. Right, right. And it's like he's a little bit more mature. And it's also interesting because um, uh, I think kids don't understand violence as well as I did. I think there was a lot more violence when I was a kid than there is today. I, I know there are you know, violent things happening for young people, but most kids get picked up and dropped off to school and, you know, bullying happens for sure. But it's a lot of online bullying, which is not physical violence in the same way. And I understand it can have consequences and all that stuff. Definitely. But I think that, you know, this is him. It's not so much turning the other cheek as, you know, getting over it and, such, but also notice that there was this kid named Hank, mm-hmm. who at the beginning was a bad guy, right? Hank right. was the bad guy because he wanted to go over the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> and our Boy Scout, literal Boy Scout, was like, I would never do that. <laughs> right. Well, he also wanted to lie about it. Absolutely. He's a kid. That's he- <laughs> what kids do. But he eventually <laughs> is the ally. Right. Right. And he also he was also the reason that they got to go and hang out with the captain. That's right. He's like a frontier Mm -hmm. personality that hangs. He's almost like he should be the main character, right? (laughs) (laughs) Because we sympathize with him. I mean, Heinlein's so good. Uh, Honestly, Misa, can you tell the difference between the main character in this book and the main character in Between Planets? They're the same guy, right? Yeah. (laughs) They're just the same kid. One of one of them has. Uh, you know, different set of parent parental situation, but they're the same kid. They both and notice they they do the same things. Um, at the beginning of this book, um, we find out that our guy who lives in an apartment but doesn't have any windows has tons of pets. <laughs> right? He's got like mm-hmm. fish. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Snakes. And, and his friend <laughs> wants to have uh, his fish. And he said, like, I can't give you my fish. You've already killed fish. So I'm not giving you my fish to you. I'm going to give them to... And the same thing happens with his horse in Between Planets, right? He he loves his horse and he doesn't give it to the kid who wants it. Yeah. Um, he gives it to a kid who he respects. That's right. So, yeah. I mean, the girls are irrational in the story, right? Or presented that way. But I think we're also supposed to see that our... Our hero in this book, Billy or William, <laughs> uh, is also kind of oblivious to the girls in the same way that our character was oblivious to girls in Between Planets. Uh, I guess yeah. he's a little more oblivious in this book than he was in that one. I think so. You know, giving the he ring away. He in a bag and might or might not let them out when they <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> 
I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, is he wrong? <laughs> oh my god. I think boys should be put in a bag too. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um but yeah, I, I want to spend way more time at, at uh at the German household next door. Uh Okay, before we go there, do yep. you mind if I yeah get get to your my points? My other point mm-hmm. about the um the family stuff. Mm-hmm. So okay, uh, George drops it on Bill that George wants to immigrate to Ganymede and leave Bill behind to go to school, and Bill essentially pouts until he gets his way and gets to go along. Then George drops it on uh, Bill that oh by the way I'm getting married to right. this woman with a daughter, and uh, Bill pelts again, but finally figures out that okay, Dad has to do it because otherwise they won't let him get, they won't let him immigrate. Mm-hmm. And then George says, "Well, actually, I'm immigrating in order to marry because I want to make a clean break." Right. So what that says to me is that George was initially planning to get married to a woman with a daughter and go to Ganymede. Just by themselves and yep. leave his son behind. Yep. Is that yep. how y'all read it? it that's absolutely, absolutely. That's that. But I also want to say, you know, like people are not one thing, right? So <laughs> people are not one thing, no matter what they are. You know, you can be a religious whack job and also a really nice guy and loves your dog, right? You can be a terrorist and a good father, right? You can be all sorts of weird things. Um, in this case, our our father figure is obviously bad at communication with his son, but the son <laughs> is also bad at communication with his father, right? Yeah. They have some sort of distant relationship. Now, I'm not sure when he started to call his mom Anne and his dad George, mm-hmm. but I think that, that it, it might – because I don't remember Heinlein doing that in a lot of other novels, like I'm thinking of – uh, uh, have spacesuit will travel. I don't think he called his dad by his first name all the time. I think he did do it. Um, and I, I think that there's a tradition of doing that in some states. And I think Heinlein's a good example of that. But it might be the case that living so close together, right? They have a basically what sounds like a one room apartment on a very high floor. Uh, he's got all these pets. He, you know, they, they, they don't have cupboards, right? They have a freezer. Everything's de- like, it sounds a lot, lot like our kind of food, right? Everything is processed food, dehydrated mm-hmm. and, yeah. right? Uh, kind of horrible. And then we go to the, the bounty, the bounty planet, right? Um, and just living very formally like that. And when, you know, you have your, your, uh, I, that's probably when I started calling my mom by her first name is after my father died, right? There's mm-hmm. kind of a, uh, it's a way of you're growing up. And, mm-hmm. you know, my mom called her dad, daddy, right up to the, his death. So it's not like everybody has this, but, um, she calls her mom Pat. <laughs> right. She also calls her my mom, but it, I think there's something there. So I think that's good characterization. I, I, I that's not where I had a problem, right? I- Heinlein's so neat in some of his straw men that I just I it drives me up the fucking wall. But that's what bothers me. Not uh, I, so I I see why you're saying it, Trish, but I also I, think I, it's legit. 
Yeah, and, and I, I think part of that was the dad was so intent on um, Bill going to school. Like, that was his – how many times did he did he come back to that? Go to school, go to earth, go back to Earth, go to yep. school, go to school. I think that was part of it. He wanted – he really wanted Bill to uh, get everything he could out of Earth and possibly maybe come later. Well, well, was, well he it, was education. perfectly right to want his son to stay in school because he would not – be schooled well if he went to Ganymede. He was perfectly right about but that. But he did but get schooled well. That's the thing, but, right? <laughs> well, no, in what he wanted to he do, I suppose. He did but, it badly. Um, I mean, if 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 the father had gone through with his plan, Bill would have felt betrayed forever. And yeah. like, with some good cause. <laughs> no, with and that good. might have ruined his life just as much as not getting... Uh, to be a professor like his dad would have. Mm-hmm. It, the the relationship between uh, the new stepmom and the stepkid and uh, the dad is not very well seen, right? We are distanced from them in so many ways. Uh, the Just getting to the airport and meeting them mm-hmm. like that, it seemed like they were going to miss. I had forgotten the book, right? So it seemed like they were going to miss that that flight somehow not connect. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd be there on Ganymede all by himself. Uh, and then it did. Yeah. And then they separated by being in the hospital and the dad at w- working in the city. Right. Mm-hmm. There's so many separations. I, I, what, what we saw of the relationship, I think is good. The relationship he has with his step, step sister is positive until she is refrigerated. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, it's a short book. It's only six and a half hours. I mean, that's amazing how much happens and how good the writing is. It's so yes. not turgid. So good. Oh, ab- absolutely agree with you on that. It is a skillfully done book. Mm-hmm. But fun, too. And entertaining. Yeah, really, like, yeah. and interesting. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think of other science fiction writers. Um I, I think for novels, I like Heinlein best. Just he's so good at do, doing what he does consistently. This is a. I, I think the reason I wanted to do this book is because somebody said it was a bad book or a dull book or something ridiculous. Where like on that. online? Yeah, on Twitter. <laughs> you know, just people don't remember. I think is and they're it's it's hard to maybe I I didn't remember it other than being really good. And that there was farming on Mars. I didn't remember the aliens. Didn't remember all those crystal things. Uh, I mean, his description of what we see in that cave, right? Before we can even see it, you have to have seen something in order to. That's basic, that's, really good philosophy stuff, right? Yeah, that's really cool. And you know, talking about what the crystals, uh, whether they they have color or they're just reflecting color. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, we don't get to see what's in the cave because he can't see what's in the cave. Right. Mm-hmm. Until you sort of figure it out, right? By comparing it to other things. Oh, it seems to have legs. Okay. It has 19 legs on each side. 38 legs. That's a weird number of legs, right? It was it a tractor. That's well, a spaceship hangar, right? Something, something's going to happen. Aliens. It's wonderful. The world is open. Mm-hmm. It's really good, really, really good, top notch. 
<laughs> so I can see why Evan's going to do a podcast and <laughs> read through of Just all of Heinlein's couple, works. I'll help him get all the texts. Couple more science facts yeah. I wanted to explore. Sure. He talks about how the 1985 mission is what they sent to start turning Ganymede into a greenhouse. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose they put an atmosphere plant or something. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, alas, for our slow space program. <laughs> well, know? yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we had even sent anything to Jupiter by... No, there the probes. Yeah, no, there had been probes by then. Absolutely. To Jupiter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Voyagers 70s. were in the 70s. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, Voyagers. Mm -hmm. There's two Voyagers, yeah. and they swung by... Jupiter and Mars, uh, uh, Jupiter and Venus, okay, right. uh, Jupiter right. and Saturn, and a couple of the outer planets. And but basically, that's been. I think we've had a couple more to Jupiter since then. But um, I wanted to add also. Oh yeah, so, several times they he mentions the ruined planet. Does anyone know what he was talking? Yeah, it's the about? asteroid belt. He mentioned that in between planets as well. Oh, the asteroid yeah. belt. Yeah, oh. that's it's his hobby horse okay. theory, right? That there's a. Yeah. There was a, 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 I think that's actually throughout his, uh, whatever this future, future timeline books, all his books sort of have that as a premise that a long time ago there was a, like even in Half Space Suit with Travel, there's some aliens that, you know, maybe they blew up the planet or whatever it is. <laughs> um, maybe we're from that ruined planet, the destroyed mm -hmm. asteroid belt. I think it was a pet hobby horse of his that he kept coming back to because it's interesting right mm -hmm. we seem to have regular intervals of uh planets and then there's this missing one and a whole bunch mm -hmm. of rocks i wonder what happened it's a mystery right it's interesting it is interesting you have one did you have one more point of science no, we have now hit all the things that I wanted to talk about before I have to go, but I can stick around for 10 more minutes. Sounds so. good. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me. No worries. Uh, Evan, um, yeah. I, I think you do need to do a podcast series on all of Heinlein because, uh, first <laughs> of all, think the Lovecraft stuff. I there. know, but you were just complaining about how, you know, it gets repetitive to do back to back to back, right? Mix it up. Yeah. I'll help you. I'll help you get all the text materials and sources and stuff because what I want to hear it's it. Like forty novels, yeah, short stories. tons of short stories. Uh, and and this Tenderfoot in Space is very hard to get. It's only in Requiem, basically. Um, but I have the original text here. I will happily give it to you, even though it's hard to read. Um, I think I think it's he's just full of themes and. I was thinking about this after you tweeted that last night or direct message that last night. I was thinking, mm -hmm. is there a more American author than Heinlein? Because I, I think Hemingway yeah, is... That's, that's what's kind of intriguing me about him. Right? I mean, Hemingway is very American, but he's also international, right? He's in Cuba. He's in Europe. Heinlein visited these places, but he's he's really American. Right? Super American. <laughs> Trish, is there a more American author than Heinlein? Like Mark Twain, I think is wonderful, but he's also all over the world Europeanizing and making fun of everybody, right? How, uh, some of his books but are. But he set. does it in a very American spirit. I get your point about Hemingway because there is a very cosmopolitan yes. flavor. Um, 
but I think Twain remains American. In oh, he's absolutely American. He's wonderful. But, you know, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court is both American and making fun of the British. Whereas Heinlein, he seems to come from the American earth, like the yeah, soil of like Missouri. Heinlein wouldn't have had a fetish for, like, Joan of Arc, the way... Right, right. Yeah. Mark Twain, I mean, Mark there, Twain there is are very good and classic American authors from, you know, James Winmore Cooper to Upton Sinclair to Cooper, many I, who are writing today, I, 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 even yeah, though I you don't like the, the modern American. stuff, Jesse. <laughs> well, you're calling it modern stuff, but it's the mid-20th century. No, I mean the modern stuff that you don't read or review, at least. Well, I, 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 I give it 50 years, I'll probably be uh, reading, all, uh, reading all the good stuff. I mean, the the thing is, is literally, it is a fetish for the new, right? We mm-hmm. many humans have had this. It's not a new thing. But I, I was just listening to H.P. Podcraft talk about uh, Voltaire's Candide. I'm like, yeah, I want to read that again because it's so good, right? It's so modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you pick a random? modern book that's probably part of a series and very long when you could read candide right it's so good it's so funny right i mean it's just hilarious all the way through and he's really talking he's talking about real stuff right in a certain way it's not it's not a commercial product in the same way that a lot of stuff is so but Candide is not American. And so because Evans put this restriction on himself, American authors, right? Heinlein is got to be, uh, he's got to be a leading candidate. Other than, you know, if you pick some, yeah, like Upton Sinclair or some, some very modern. Oh, no, no, no. Mainstream. <laughs> Mainstream. Right. Uh, Hemingway. Steinbeck. Yeah, something like that. Um, but Heinlein's also speaking to a lot of issues that those guys don't do. Right, I mean, there's a reason we we still think of Heinlein as being like I was thinking about the the power systems in this. Right, we never hear about how the power plant is powered. I assume it's nuclear. Um, the spaceship has a power plant. Um, they mention atomic power. It's definitely it, it's definitely the- yeah, it's definitely in there. And the fathers, you know, sort of related to it. But the the power you need to put out to make an atmosphere. Um, shield, like they have, it's got to be substantial, right? So <laughs> it's probably fusion, but he never goes into that detail. But other than that, I, w- I was saying there isn't that many things that are very um, unrealistic in terms of of uh, technology. I- I'm not sure the radiation, I think the radiation level on uh, on Ganymede is too high for humans. Like, I don't think you can yeah, live there. Yeah, he, he brushes off cosmic radiation and says it passes harmless through the body. That's true. That is true. And some of it does. Yes. Uh, but, I don't know, He it seemed a little hand-wavy to me. He he is a bit hand-wavy, but there's a reason we're not actually on Ganymede at this point, no. right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. without, uh, without, um, I mean, his first juvenile novel, which I'd like to do at some point is rocket ship Galileo. And it's about kids building a atomic rocket in New Mexico, right. And to go to the moon and get this Misa, when they get to the moon, there's Nazis on the moon. No. Yes. No. They, it's a 1947 book, I think. And so the, they, they didn't, 
<laughs> they didn't just set up bases in uh, sub-Antarctic French islands. Uh, they also set up bases on the fucking moon! <laughs> Space Nazis! And these Boy Scout ki- kind of kids with their crazy uncle who's got a beard, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> have to fight the Nazis on the fucking moon! Oh my god! Right? He's good. He goes to all sorts of places. And also, he's really annoying when he goes there. But he's so good, you don't mind. Most of the time. So there there will be themes, Evan, if you do this podcast, uh, where you go through everything. There will be themes that come up, and you'll get a really good insight that I've never thought of. Like your ones for Heinle, uh, for um, Dick, and... Uh, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll probably be the same themes. <laughs> Frontier and the sea. <laughs> no, it's, it's very different. So I, I'm not like, I, I really follow where the texts take me, I think. So yeah. Ridiculous. Frontier, consumerism. You're right. It's there. Kinds of stuff. With Lovecraft, it's all the sea and race and immigration yes. civilization. Yes. So with Heinlein, I'm sure it'll be, I don't know, libertarianism. Sort of. Like, but I mean, about, like, I, I normally when I hear about libertarians, I'm like, I, it's, I think, oh God, that's gross. It is. But like, <laughs> in some respects, approach to it is like, yeah, this is sort of what I think well-meaning libertarians actually have in their head. Yeah. I I just watched a really terrible Reason, you know that channel Reason TV. It's a horribly funded, yeah. horrible organization. That they did a um a sort of a mock you know, promotion for their channel, a mock uh a PBS version of libertarian PBS, and about seventy percent of the bits that they did where they have uh you know the Fraggles or whatever characters are on the puppet characters, um saying you have a right to put anything in your body and I have too. <laughs> so it was it was quite good there's there was good bits right the libertarians are not completely crazy but then there would be this other stuff about socialism hasn't worked in these countries and there was like a big long list of countries china was not mentioned on it right um there's like a, a an opposition whereas i would say you know libertarianism is really good as long as you confine it to the the places where it's reasonable, like free speech and um, uh, putting stuff in your body and associating with neighbors and stuff like that. But if you start saying no government, because because uh, if you think in this book, um, I don't know if you noticed it. I thought I was thinking quite a bit about it. Um, there's a lot of hospitalizations, right? Who's paying for those? Uh, there's no mention of pay, right? It's just the community, right? The community pays, that's, of course. That's what's cool about this. You got the like the barn raising, and that's right. The, they don't have land. The, the neighbor, the, the relatively rich farmer, the appleseed guy, takes him in, apprentices him. It's like there's like a cooperative nature to it. And notice uh, the, the 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 one and straw I, man. I, I, yeah. is on the moon. It's it's kind of like we got this really weird social. We got this really weird material reality here on the moon. So line marriages are a way we can manage this, and it ends up you creating this kind of cooperative clans and things out mm-hmm. there. It's it's not individualism really. 
No, it's very interesting. But I think there's a tension the, between libertarianism and individualism. There is a straw man in this book um, who says, I was promised X, Y, and Z, right? And he's right. Um, and then he says, well, I refuse to do work because I'm, I've been ripped off, right? And he says, well, then you, your children will – then you won't be able to feed your family. And he says, well, government will do it. And he says, we will feed your family. You can go eat rocks, Right. Mm-hmm. So um the thing is is this is this is very reasonable, right? If if there is some homeless children knocking on your door, you're gonna let them in and feed them. But if they're if their dad is uh outscoring drugs all the time, you're not gonna let him in, right? Because he's an adult. He can fend for himself. Uh and more importantly, you shouldn't be supporting him personally. Now, should the society do something to make the drugs less expensive and uh, hospitals safer? Yes, right? But that isn't your, it isn't your personal responsibility to go down and stop the drug war in, in Central America that's driving so many immigrants north. <laughs> that's not your personal responsibility. That's a government thing. So there are kind of like uh, realms where libertarianism works incredibly well. But once you say this this fits all packages it's it's stupid so uh, that that was one of the normal straw man characters i i didn't object to as much because i've seen that a little bit right where people um are just unreasonable because they think that they're right and so given that we have to deal with people one <laughs> one way is you know to Try and reason uh, reason with them, I guess. Since we have to deal with them, we have to reason with them. Because the alternative is violence, right? Mm-hmm. I Or maybe shunning, deporting, locking them up. All sorts of horrible ways of dealing with it. <laughs> well, don't you think it was mean that Janeway put him in uh, solitary for 30 days? I do. That's, that I thought rough. it was excessive. Right. I mean, she she wants she what has to say feel? he he um he broke the prime directive. He helped. He's uh, trying to save a whole planet. Yeah, he they didn't want they wanted to hide from their society that this water planet was um, being ruined by their own bad, you know, environmental policies, and uh, he was going to help them by destroying a plant that would show that. And some alien says, yeah, I want help. Um, after Tom says, I can only help you if you request help. Right? He sort yeah. of breaks the rule. And then we see it in retrospect. And Janeway has to come down hard on him. So she reduces him in rank and puts him in solitary for 30 days. The, well, I think the, in Next Generation, they had an episode where Data is the pen pal episode, right? Yes. Where, yes. Where oh, yeah. The girl actually right. asks for help. That's right. Yeah. And then that's the like, prime directive loophole. Right, right. But yeah. Janeway's, uh, you know, the thing is, is it's really funny. There's lots of people on Voyager. <laughs> Trish is like, what? Why are we talking about Voyager? <laughs> I mean, she's gone, I guess. Uh, anyway, in any case, there's lots of people on Voyager who have no rank, right? Like Seven doesn't have a rank. She, at one sort of episode, she fulfills the job of the chief engineer. But she doesn't have a rank. And uh, she takes orders from Harry Kim, 
in the same episode, right? Um, and then the Doctor doesn't have a rank, and Neelix doesn't have a rank, and yet they all report to the Captain. They don't wear the, you know, Neelix very rarely wears a security officer's uniform, right? And uh, I guess Cass, when she was around, she she didn't have a rank. They're not passengers, but they're crew. Well, and yeah, well, half of them are Maquis, too. That's right. That's right. And so you can't, and it's yeah. weird that they do that. Oh, she's there. She said she recorded. She's missing me. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds good, Trish. Um, so yeah, I, it's weird that they wear these Mac E, uh, badges to distinguish them, right? I mean, it's helpful for us as, you know, viewers watching these people we don't maybe recognize who are supposed to have been on the ship for, <laughs> seven years or whatever and we're like hey who are you new actor of the week um you're the one who's gonna die okay good to know thank you because <laughs> you got the Mackie thing on you're on chakotay's side and chakotay's always on janeway's side right like there there's a number of dynamics that are there so i guess we've transitioned out of this episode haven't we <laughs> i'm starting it yeah. seems so <laughs> we can go back if you want i just uh i've been watching a lot of voyager yeah, it's fun watching you watch Voyager. Yeah, uh, that episode, Evan. I wonder, uh, are you going to watch Enterprise when you're done? With I don't know. I uh, I feel like I should, but I don't want to. I, I, that There's Vulcan, some good episodes in there. It's not bad. Yeah. All yeah. right. I, I All think right. It's you're going to have me bad. watching Discovery and enjoying it pretty soon, fuckers. Three and four, <laughs> seasons three and four, are pretty solid for Enterprise. Yeah, that yeah is, Scott watched it. Better be right before they cut oh, it off. My God, it was so bad. Hey, we're we're not Star Trek. We're Enterprise. Hey, we don't have a. Yeah, they fixed that. Too. Oh my God! They, like I think in season three they called Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like Scott Bakula. That was not the problem. The problem it wasn't the actors. It's the writing. Really stupid. Stupid decisions. Like. You know, you have like a country and western theme instead of some horns. I need me some horns, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I actually don't know what else they have besides horns and Star Trek themes, but it was a mis a whole bunch of mistakes. Like, let's take the thing that we we like Star Trek and take it out of the title. Just call it Enterprise. Stupid. Stupid. How are you so stupid? That was a very bad idea. <sighs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'll watch it. I'm still savoring lots of Voyager still. You're like more than halfway. You're well I know. Into it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, I did next generation. I started with next generation season three watched oh did you start well, in season three? yeah started season three watched all of that then went back and watched season one and two and i'm like okay deep space nine it's like wow deep space nine i was like oh shit there's no more deep space nine there's voyager i'm like hey this yeah. isn't that bad um there, there are some thoughts next generation season wasn't that bad i just watched red letter media's i watched episode their, on, did you watch that one myself on that and they're, even they're saying all of it they're saying season one was basically bad i think they're right <laughs> but there's some good stuff but in there i think but then when that when they said like these were the good episodes i agreed yeah these were the good episodes that when i watched it i thought 
maybe this first season is not that bad. It's. I, I think I did skip a couple episodes. <laughs> it yeah. is bad. It is definitely bad. But there's so many redeeming things in it, and having had. I mean, I'm not just watching it for the characters, but there's some good character stuff. Like, I, you know what? I skipped that one where what's her name dies. Um, Tasha. Tasha. I think I skipped that one, and I think I skipped the Naked Now, which is I think the second episode. It, yeah. Because it's it was just like trash. <laughs> I mean, I watched it originally, so I, I remember. Now is that the one where we're data and data and yeah, yeah, Tasha get it on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's really important. It, it is but that important. Comes up like three other times in the in the series. Yeah. yeah, they bring it up a lot, but not as much as Data's cat, though. <laughs> <laughs> when does Data's cat appear? Season four or five? Oh uh, no! But he writes a poem to his cat, <laughs> and they all sit around listening to him recite a poem. Is that the first cat. time it comes up? I don't think so. I don't know. They're good. They're good at um at uh, doing these character themes in the background but ultimately the reason i'm watching it is not because it's a bunch of character stuff it's because idea episodes you know it's science fiction there's an idea there like uh, even when the idea is stupid like uh crusher's uh crusher's grandmother's in love with an irish ghost oh that's a bad one (laughs) it's a bad one right it's because the idea is bad she's great on screen i love the gothic atmosphere but it's just a stupid idea. <laughs> and so, you know, you can appreciate some of the interesting lines, but you can't appreciate it as an actual episode. Whereas Darmok is a great episode, right? Yeah. Is that like everybody's favorite episode? It's just so iconic, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. But it's it clearly yeah, I, sticks out in your I, mind. When I showed my daughter some Star Trek episodes. That's the one you show, episodes. right? Yeah. I showed mm-hmm. Darmok. I showed the inner light there yeah. you go. Inner light has done been done by every everyone. Others, and you but you can throw really into those. There, yeah. of course, yeah. it's because it's ideas, right? I was thinking about this this book. If it was a TV show or a movie, they'd have to make it stupider, way stupider. You think? Oh, think about how much of this is just explaining like orbits and stuff. It's a lot, and temperature, and. I mean, there are some no, character you, stuff. You need, what you would need to work as a TV show is that they go to Ganymede, and then there's like some local like land, like thug who's grabbed up all the good land, and <laughs> and 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 he's like controlling the situation, and then this Boy Scout has to like form his. Yeah, they. W- that's what I'm saying. They, there's no conflict, and then there's just going to be a bunch of drama and. There is no conflict in this book. That's what I'm saying. And so they can't, they can't get a whole, they can't get a handle on it. it. It's too unstructured. And yet that's the whole point is it's just a kid growing up on a weird planet and learning shit, right? He's just, you know, he's got stuff happening in his life. And well, there, there is so much drama though. There, and, and a lot of it's artificial, like the, uh, the asteroid or meteorite hitting, right? That's, I mean, they say it's 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 impo- virtually impossible. Not only is it virtually impossible, it happened, and it happened in his cargo room or whatever, right? Yeah. So that's bullshit. But I no, don't mind I drama on the planet. But like, then he can use his Boy Scout people. skills to save the day. He, he did does. use his Boy Scouts and uniform. And uh, he folded up his uniform 
and put it under his pillow. And then he put the folded up uniform in the hole. This is the Valley of Boy Scouts, Jesse. You never know when that knowledge will, will, will help. And, and because you learned that one of your merit badges is commanding voice. Be you can, prepared. You can, Be prepared. <laughs> you can say, you can say uh, to the other boys, punch that little kid in the face several times until he shuts up. I need to talk to the <laughs> captain. Then <laughs> hand me that pillow. My hands are sucking on space here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the the environmental disaster that happens, um, it's cool. Um, but notice that it, it's it, it, the structure doesn't seem like a novel structure, right? It it seems like here's a he, he what he, I'm convinced is Heinlein's obsessed with thinking about this stuff. He gets us on a spaceship. He has to tell us how the gravity works, right? Mm. How do most shows handle this? Gravity plates, right? Yeah. <laughs> if they even mention it, right? Notice no matter how many times they. They reroute power of uh, the environmental controls on Star Trek. Uh, life support. <laughs> the gravity plates never turn off. Right? Every once in a while, there'd be an episode where they try. Too tried... expensive for the gravity. To turn off. <laughs> yeah, once you get them started, you can't turn them off. But even they they go to some um, derelict spaceship that's been there for ten thousand years, no yeah, power. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> gravity plates, right? So the they're not smart enough. TV is not smart enough to handle what Heinlein's putting down. They just fuck it up. On the other hand, um, and this is not a case for arguing for it for the next Heinlein book we do, but it is a point in its favor. There is a cartoon adaptation of Red Planet that's pretty good. Um, that's a total argument for. It is an argument for, but not necessarily um, next. I'm not yeah. sure what we should do next. But there's lots of options. Um, I think I was thinking the next one in uh, in um, a boy's life might be a good idea um, because I don't know. I I, I want to make a case for going to a Heinlein novel with like that's a kissing book. <laughs> a kissing book. He does have kissing books. <laughs> like I really dug. I will fear no evil. I want something like on that level. <sighs> Okay, well that that'd be a later Heinlein. We can we can we can look at uh, Robert. Hey, oh, you know what? I w- I was also very interested um, in his early stuff that came out a lot later. Um, like the one. How about that, this? Take back your government, nineteen forty-six. I don't think that's a novel. I think that's a uh, essay. It's it's it, it, it seems like a manifesto. Yeah. Oh, is it an is it a full length book? I think so. I got. I, I want to read that. Interesting. <laughs> it's All part right. of your podcast that so, Jesse's making you do. <laughs> late Heinlein, late Heinlein <laughs> novels include uh, the number of the beast, which uh, I enjoyed, but also think a lot of people would not. Uh, the cat who walks through walls, which I quite like. It's very sex oriented, but not wholly. Um, it's kind of a sequel. I mean, not really. Is it has a person or a cat? It, yeah, a cat's name Pixel. Actually, Pixel. I, I bought that book at a library sale for twenty five cents. Um, I didn't read it yet. I've got uh, at least uh, one audio. I gave you the highlight books I have. I have this, but is that my is that my folks' place? Because I bought it one summer. I was thinking Tunnel in the Sky might be good, but that's not. Uh, and Star Beast, I've talked about 
uh, that one's got a big mo- monster that thinks it's uh, it's it's the family pet, but actually it thinks they're its pets. That's so fun. Both of those are fun. Yeah, that's 1954. Um, th- 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 those are middle books. So the late books are what uh, Evan is talking about. Oh, God. Stranger in a Strange Land. No, thank you. Um, the Number of the Beast, Friday. Friday we've done already. Job, a Comedy of Justice. Um, not super into that. Cat Who Walks Through Walls to Sail Beyond the Sunset. That's the one I haven't read. But he's got lots of early stuff, too, like... Uh, there's a red, uh, red peril, yellow peril one called Sixth Column, 1949. Uh, Rocket Ship Galileo is 1947. Holy shit. That's the one where they go to the moon and find space Nazis. <laughs> that might be fun. That <laughs> oh, would be fun. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's another juvenile. So I'll leave it up to you guys. Um, that's okay. We can do if you if you want to do more juveniles. I I like juveniles. I I, I, I like can... the juveniles a lot. I, I like the other ones too, but I like yeah. We did juveniles. Between Planets and Farmer in the Sky. The, uh, by the way, Between Cl- Planets came out right after Farmer in the Sky. You know what? I was thinking of a whole other book when when we were talking about Between Planets. I was thinking about that one. I, I don't even know if it's Heinlein where he goes to a planet and um, he's like a real hard ass. Um, Between uh, Planets is uh, we did six months ago. It's yeah, the, I know. No, when you said the horse, I I remembered which one it was. But no, I was thinking like it was it was a terror. Like, government was harsh and 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 I he was. Uh, oh, you're thinking um, Westlake maybe, uh, and our chaos. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I don't know why I got so confused. Uh, that's what I was yeah. thinking. And our cast, I was like, it's a good book, that's but not a juvenile. It's not a juvenile, technically, no. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Maybe we should get Trish to, uh, to weigh in. What, what novel should we do next, Trish? He asks to the ether. Oh, they, they have um, on the Wikipedia entry, they're showing uh, the revolutions of the moons of Jupiter. Or, I, yeah, um, I saw that. Farmer in the Sky. Yeah. And when it said that it, they didn't actually align, yeah, they showed them. Well, that, cool. they don't there. align uh, very often, for sure. But I would guess that Heinlein did his math at the time, because he was really good at that. Well, he oh, he he said, like, it, it almost never, didn't he say, like, once yeah. every whatever? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to sc- scoot back to this uh, with, oh, bibliography. We've done Puppet Masters. Yes. That's, that's not a juvenile. Um, Space Cadet, haven't done that. Beyond This Horizon, that's, uh, I think, yeah, serialized in 1942. So that was one of his first. It's not amazing. The Star Beast, that's, that's the one I mentioned with the, uh, oh, Tunnel in the Sky. Yeah. But let me, let me dig out that, um, uh, farmer. Uh-huh. What is it? Boy Scouts? It was in the bo- Boy's Life. That's right. Boy's Life. Here we go. Nope. I don't have it handy. I'll go find Boy's Life again. I, I labeled what's... There was a lot of Jack London in Boy's Life, too. Really? Yeah. Um, and it's an old magazine, right? It's, uh, I think, a 1911 issue. 
Huh. Yeah. It makes sense that Jack London was in there. Yeah, and uh, guess what story it is? It's not the one you expected. It's not White Fang? Uh, no, it's uh, The King of the Maisie May. But it is a very... Uh, I did it on Reading Short and Deep. It's very... Um, very... Uh, boy Scouty. It's about a boy who finds out somebody's stealing somebody's claim in the Yukon and his father's not available, so he has to do it all on his own. It's it's very it's very good. Um also in there was something a story called Nothing Ever Happens on the Moon um by Heinlein in forty nine. Then we have Satellite Scout Tramp. Oh yeah, the Space Family Stone, aka the Rolling Stones. Space Family Stone. Have you already done that? No, that's the one I, I was mentioning that no, has the flat caps. I wanted yeah. to know if you could so if we could do it. We could do it, yeah. Um Space Family Stone is the UK title. The normal American title is The Rolling Stones. Right. Which is, I think, a bad title because it's confusing. But it, it, it comes before the actual band, right? Um, but there t- it's he's taking it from uh, Rolling Go- Stone Gathers No Moss. Mm. Um, and then, oh, Paul Anderson and Edgar Rice Burroughs, Arthur C. Clarke. Ray Bradbury and a Jack London reprint in the nineties. Wow. Uh, yeah, Arthur C. Clarke in there too. Surprising. Yeah, so um what do you think? What do you want to do, Misa? Evans Space Family Stone. Alright, Space Family Stone, the Rolling Stones. We should be able to do that. <laughs> okay. Rolling Stones. Let's book it. Rolling Stones. Who's in on Roadwork next week? Roadwork is Evan and me. <laughs> And Marissa question mark, so I'll ask Marissa. Oh god. It might just be you and me. Uh Mice's too many people no, no, Paul. These Bachman books. The uh, last Bachman book was just you and me. I don't I, I guess he hasn't signed up for it. Um yeah, but th- I think it was a good show. I, I haven't heard it yet, I don't think, but I don't think I edited it, but I remember it being good. Um and then Mice, you're in for Gulliver of Mars. Yep. Mm, early uh, mid-April. Yep. And then, so the next open slot, if it's not in May, is going to have to be after in June. Um, I apologize for that. No, well, um, is May super busy? So 16th, 23rd, and 30th are all out? Uh, yeah, for me. We're having, okay. we're, having, we're doing a theater festival okay. throughout May. Okay, and so like, let's do. Just all. Let's see. June, April, June. Wow, booking far out here. Six thirteen would be six twentieth. Six twenty, okay. Yeah. All right. Twenty twenty one. Zero six twenty twenty one, and that is the Rolling Stones. By Robert A. And that's. Did you say twenty one? That's a Monday. Twentieth. 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 Okay. Jesse, Misa, Evan, probably Trish too, but she's not here to say no. <laughs> I'll put Trish. Wait, what did to... you just sign me up? Oh, we're signing you up for the Boy Scouts. <laughs> well, that's you have to buy a lot of cookies. Um, no, uh, first the Rolling Stones. Oh, uh, it's in probably. June. Okay, I put a question mark then. All right, 
Good. I'm going to press stop on this recording, and then uh, we can chat anymore if you if you like. Well, oh, I'm going to bed. Shit! What happened to my okay. recorder? I could also possibly do dancing Aztec. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Finally had an hour and a half. According to the schedule. Okay. Hello, gentlemen. Apparently, he screwed up his his gaming. It's, it's start, it starts in less than an hour rather See? than two hours. Strangey. So, yes. That's a pity. That's it, a, is a, it, it is a pity. It let's is. have a look at the schedule. See who else is supposed to be here. Like Misa and maybe Trish. Ace. No. There she is. And then schedule button. All right. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. How are you? A little stressed, but you know, so it goes. Why stressed? He's he's reading Um, too much political Twitter. No, no, I'm not stressed because of that. I'm I'm stressed because I have to leave in about forty-eight minutes or so because i thought the game that started at noon central actually starts at noon eastern which means i've got to leave to do that oh all right trish that's who i need to add pretty sure that was a trish i'm going to probably miss most of this episode that makes me unhappy you know you can always listen in that's not the same thing you know how i like to talk (laughs) Getting me to shut up, that's a trick. I didn't do my homework. You didn't do your homework? There was a few times I listened in because I didn't do my homework. Oh, because you didn't do your homework. No, that's fine. But if you didn't do your homework today, then you're canceled. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that escalated quick. I I think everybody should be canceled. (laughs) Say again? It's because I'm the Boy Scout here? Uh, Yeah. Are you a Boy Scout? Yeah, I was a Boy Scout. But were you an Eagle Scout? Save it for the podcast. I was an evil Eagle Scout. This is all covered in past an, episodes. An evil Eagle Not Scout. He's an evil Eagle Scout. I mean, they're all evil. It goes without saying. Wow. <laughs> Escalated quickly. All right. I have um, Satellite Scout, as it was originally called, uh, Art. That was name for this thing? I'm going to tweet it. Satellite Scout. I'm glad. Save it. Save it. (laughs) I may not get a chance to say it. By Robert A. Heinlein. I'll just do a tweet thread, so if you want to look at these. I I was madly trying to get these done at the last moment here. You were medley trying to get these done? Medley, yes. Except my folder's not there it goes. All right. Come on. Get in there. There's one. So just uh, have a look at my Twitter feed if you can. Okay. There's not that many illustrations. I mean, there's a, there's a few. Uh, so. Oh. 
The next one has three. And then uh, it was over four issues here. Wow. My uh, search bar is... My search address must be very long, Paul. <laughs> All right. There's the third one, I believe. That'll be in the right thread. Nope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then... Did you post more than one? Yeah. Just there, they'll be in a chain. Oh. Boy's Life. Boys. Did you used to read Boys Life, Evan? Yeah, I had to, I subscribed to Boys Life. It was a long running. Our troop. Rank. So our troop was like profiled in the issue, oh, and I should be able to dig you up. My name was there, so I have this in common with Heinlein. I was also published in a way. <laughs> <laughs> my name's in the back of a Savage Sword of Conan. Does that make me a co-author with Robert E. Howard? I'm just wondering. It makes you makes you adjacent. <laughs> makes you in the I'm Red Sonia adjacent okay good to know it's a medal it's a medal on your your uniform yeah I uh, did I tell you I I uh, almost joined the Boy Scouts I think I probably did why didn't you uh, I'll save it for the podcast alright okay. uh, here's the last image and it's a good one alright so there's I, I think there's like five tweets in the chain or something like that They're so 50s. Yep. It, it is definitely of its era. Mm. The last one features... Uh, 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 that's size. not quite how I... I'll save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast, Save it for the podcast if I get a chance to see oh, it. Oh, wait. Podcast. With you in five or so, says Trish. Uh-oh. KK. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, uh, how about this, Paul? We do a half hour of uh, pre pre chat material, um, and uh, we stick that uh, at the end. You'll never hear it, anyways. So, because <laughs> you don't listen to the podcast. Sad songs they say so much. I don't want it to be a singing episode. Have you had a singing episode? I don't of do course music. he hasn't had the Stevie X, so he doesn't even, he doesn't want any music. Je- I, I may not be a very musical person, but Jesse's even less of a musical person than I am. Yes. So proudly. Then, proudly I'm, unmusical. I'm bad at music, but Jesse's almost anti music. Yeah, I'm good at music. I'm just I'm against it. <laughs> I'm against it. That's so harsh, Jesse. You're <laughs> just throwing him out today. <laughs> Um, this uh, this issue of um, or these issues of Boys Life are very low res. They're all on actually Google Books for some reason, but their resolution is incredibly small. Let's see, uh, eighty one kilobytes for the cover, uh, eight hundred by ten four uh, eight hundred pixels by ten forty three pixels, and at ninety six DPI, you can barely read the text. Hmm. And if you zoom in at all, it just like turns into you know pixel dust, which right. is bad. So uh, what's what's happening in Miceville? Oh, uh, well we've we've we recorded the first episode of the new season, mm-hmm. including and added all the sound effects and everything. Nice. So 
Yeah. Is it edited? You mean? It's all edited. Yeah. Oh, okay. Episode one is edited, but we haven't even like we're re- rehearsing episode two, so it's going to be a while. It's going to be a so you're while. recording. Li- you record live, um, even though. Even... No, no. They send in their. They send oh, really? In, we, we rehearse, and then um, and then they all send in their lines separately after. So you you that's re- the new way. You rehearse uh, together and then record yeah, we separate. Yeah, rehearse together on Zoom. Yeah. Oh, that, then, that that should that's that's pretty good. I mean, the old yeah. way they did it back in the day um, was everybody has a script, yeah, <laughs> and then they all record their lines, and then the the uh, the uh, producer director guy says, um, "Give me like five different ways of saying it." Oh my god! <laughs> right, <laughs> so that it's like I'm really tired, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Or, um, no, I don't know about this. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it can all sort of flow a little better. But yeah, yeah. It, you it, do all that. Yeah. But yeah, if, yeah. if you, if you have like a vibe going and you can hear what the other actor said, you can at least remember that, right? That's, that's, that's the thing. Just yeah. remember it, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> you throw rocks at them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't make a. I, I, I would not make a good director because I, I I'm not diplomatic enough. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes say, you know, I really didn't like that. And you know, I don't think you're supposed to do that. No, no. that sucks. Oh yeah, there's like a bunch of different, uh, you know, director types from movies and stuff, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's movies about making movies, and there'd be like the, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> and then there's the, <laughs> no, nope, we're again. doing it again. And then there's the guy who doesn't care what the actors do. <laughs> it's a whole bunch yeah. of styles of uh, ridiculous director types. Fun, fun. Hmm. What's happening in Paulville? Uh, I, I never followed up. Uh, your brother's uh, okay, right? My brother, okay, now dark, dark, dark physically for everybody else. My, my my brother hasn't killed himself. No, no, but was that the issue? Um, that oh, I actually, oh, up, I, oh, I shared too much. He was con- contemplating suicide. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's an issue. So is he sick? Um, he's had. Well, he's 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 kind of screwed up thanks to a car accident but he was contemplating suicide before that car accident because of issues with the law and, and mm. now whole old mental issues after our mother died and mm. issues with the oh. law you know issues with his girlfriend so yeah he i mean he was sending me texts like i'm i'm gonna miss you brother and like if Jesus. i don't show you more yeah I, I, I'm, I'm serious it's like he, he went to some really dark places and i even tried trying to get his son to contact him. He didn't like that at all. And yeah. Okay. But I have not got any messages from him in the last few days. So I'm hoping everything is all right. Silence Mm. is not golden when it comes to my brother. Mm. I mean, I've had strong, strong and very tangled relationship with my brother, but I don't want him to die. Yeah. So, (laughs) but I mean, I mean, we have not gotten along from most of our lives, but you know, He's your older brother, is that right? He's my younger brother. Younger brother. Our older, okay. bro- our, 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 our older brother, we don't talk to because of a lot. Wow. Neither of you, neither of you, you talk to him. 
That's weird. Because <laughs> my, yo- my 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 younger brother hates him, and if he met him, would probably try to kick his ass. What? So, yeah. Why? Yeah, that's a long that's a long story. Okay. Long, Are there just the three of you? Three brothers. Yeah. So you you're the middle brother. I'm the middle child. Okay, so, I, I didn't. I'm not. I'm not a. You know, like, I don't. I had a younger sister, so I don't understand all the the dynamics of. Uh, of middle children, yeah, we're peacemakers. We try to be diplomats. We try to get everybody to get along. We try to make friends with everybody. We try to hold things together. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Mice, uh, <laughs> mice, you have an older brother, right? No, I'm the oldest. Oh, a, your younger brother? I have a middle brother and a younger brother. Okay, two the brothers. middle brother, from our perspective, was trouble. Oh, well, Evan must be a middle brother then. <laughs> I'm just a middle. Sibling, I have two sisters. Ah, uh, okay. So you're, but I'm not a, I'm not the diplomat. I think just me and my younger sister are, are like the the rejects. And... <laughs> wow, <laughs> we were pretty much okay. okay, okay after yes. the first kid was kind of forgotten and 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 whatever. Wow. Yeah. Um. That's uh, still the failures. The, the, I, I'm I'm drift. I'm wandering around. I'm a hobo. <laughs> my younger sister's a pirate. Ooh. Wow, what kind? A pirate? What kind? Well, she works on a pirate ship. Awesome. Wait, what? That's awesome. Well, it's, like, it's a tourist thing for kids. I'm oh. back in the city beach, Florida. Okay. I, I'm a little I, less I, I, it, excited. Place. But if, if that is her official job, then that's still pretty cool. Yeah, if my job is pirate, I'm winning in she's, life. She's yes. uh, the, the galley... Wench, I guess. She Excellent. Drinks to the parents while the kids play pirate games. That's awesome. Which I'm surprised she hasn't got COVID. With yeah, yeah. Job. With well, all those, it's not. Did they not stop? Have it? Were they not? Yeah, uh, well, Panama City is open for business. On pa- this, Panama. This year. Panama City. Where's that? Panama City, Florida. Ah. The Panhandle. Okay. It's like the tourist attraction for like people from Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee. Just I get it. Drive down. Drive down to there. <laughs> it's kind like of a chill that. place. Yeah, Redneck okay. Riviera, I think, is what they were calling it. Yeah, what was what was that uh, tweet that had a redneck in it? And I said uh, it was um, it was a bad argument. I can't remember, but I was thinking like it, they, oh, it was about um, Fauci, right? Um, somebody was had like a Fauci theme or meme, not theme. <laughs> and it said, I didn't get a degree in uh, doctoring or whatever it is. Uh, so uh, I could trick some rednecks. And I'm like, well, I doubt Fauci actually said that, <laughs> but more importantly, it gives away the game, right? Like, it's like, um, yeah, I don't need your votes. You deplorables. <laughs> like shit. You don't want to be associated with that. That's like, <laughs> hey, I have contempt for you. Vote for me. I know how do we, we get convince people to uh, believe in coronavirus. Insult them. Call them morons. That'll work. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. All right. Where's Trish? Hey. Sorry, oh, I'm late. there she is. All right. That's the Spanish version of Speak of the Devil. Ah, okay. 
Now we know what you think of Trish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, um, and that's how I got banned from Arvin's channel. The end. I, 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 I wouldn't. Trish I would. has powers there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't ban you from the podcast for calling her the devil. No, I might, I might invite you on. Stop Andy from Arvin Everlon's Twitch channel. If she has, what, she's a taking my there. petty revenge. <laughs> Speaking of um, uh, of Trish and the devil, um, Trish, I was thinking uh, I was going to tweet this at you, but then I thought I'd just talk to you about it. Would you be interested in doing a show on an H. Beam Piper novel? Yes. All right. Which one? Uh, Murder in the Gun Room. That's his. That sounds intriguing. <laughs> yeah, it's his uh, locked room mystery, um, and uh, it's on Librivox. I just Great discovered place. it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if if we get nothing else done today, we can book that if uh, people are interested. Mycy, you were were you on uh, our last HP and Piper show? Yes. Uh, well, the oh. last one. Oh, Mysa. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, Mysa. Um, you're still talking to me because I'm egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it called? It was called uh, Omnilingual. Maybe that's the only H. Beam Piper we've done. That's the only that's the only H. Beam Piper we've done. Okay, um, that's Thanks. a it's a really uh, it's a really that was a really good show. Um, I really like H. Beam Piper, um, but this is you maybe, just tweeted, may, you recently tweeted a picture of his headstone. Yeah, yeah, I found. Um, I don't know how I got. Oh, I was looking at some old files or something, and I thought. Uh, so I found a website that had a. I, th- I thought his headstone was pretty interesting. Um, they, somebody had to choose what uh, to put on his headstone for him, presumably, um, and they chose some novels. And they did. I don't think they put uh, "Murder in the Gun Room" on there, but that's no. That's for the science fiction on there. Yeah, um, and that's what most people know him for, but. Um, he had other interests as well. Weapons. I mean, I think it would be them. kind of interesting to do a uh, little fuzzy and then do Skelzy's, you know, take on it as <sighs> the, a as a combined podcast. I, the problem with that is um, I've read Little Fuzzy too recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I reviewed it, and okay, um, I just I, I seem to be waiting about thirty years between books uh, <laughs> reading. So I, I, I enjoy Little Fuzzy. I think it's a good book. Um, but I didn't, I didn't follow any of the follow-up ones either. Sure. Um, but Murder in the Gun Room sounds... You into that? Sounds right. fun. So, um, how, uh, how would you sell mice as somebody who's never read, uh, uh, H. Bain Piper on him? Because I think um, Evan would be up for that, probably. Okay, well, the, the books that I've read by him are, or rather, what have I read? I've read, uh, Little Fuzzy, and I've read, uh, Omnilingual, and... Uh, actually, I think that's all of the H. Beam Piper that I've read. Really? But You've not read a Lord Calvin yet? Of uh, other ones. Oh, yeah. Lord Calvin. That's right. Yeah, I've read that. Um, those uh, those were fun, but uh, you know, they obviously didn't make a lot of impact on me. Um, but uh, uh, Omnilingual is great because it has a female main character and a very interesting uh, uh, scientific linguistic archaeological and scientific puzzle to to be solved um uh that sounds cool it, it is yeah. it's a good story interesting things there puzzle, yes yes male uh linguistic it's archaeological. it's it's all on mars as well and on mars yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, you should check it out sometime, even though Jesse has already done his podcast on it. No, well, we, definitely. we got the audio. Was Did I put your version in the... You did. You yeah. used my version. Very yeah. flattering. LibriVox <laughs> is uh, okay, recording. Have you got... That hasn't it's been in the sh- yet. Yeah, it's, I think it's out. I think it went out in the summer. Yes. I can't remember. Um, it's, it's and then when we did summer. a long show on it, I, do, I, I remember it being long and good. Yeah, it, it was a meaty episode. Yeah. Um, uh, so the other way I would sell Misa is to tell her, uh, that he invented tribbles. No! Sort of. <laughs> no, not exactly. That's a different guy, but his little fuzzy types are kind of like tribbles, but they're sentient. Um, I would not yeah. say they are like tribbles. It's better no. than saying they're like Ewoks, okay? <laughs> okay, maybe more like Ewoks. No, no, no. That makes you want to hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas little fuzzy character, they're cute, and basically it's a courtroom trial to see if they're sentient or not. So it's like it's a you have to you have to know your audience, Trish. She's a Star that Trek lady. Super fun. <laughs> now I'm in. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that uh, trial of a Android data episode, right? Measure of a man. That's right, yes. the one. Measure Except with little, with little, with little, uh, yeah, little. tribbles with arms and legs. Yeah, not tribbles. <laughs> <laughs> and sticks. <laughs> They're very cute. Um, so I, I've not read this book, uh, Murder in the Gun Room, but it's a locked room mystery. It's my mm-hmm. understanding. Um, and, uh, if you, if you like type in H. Beam Piper into the internet and look around not long enough, you'll see like he's obsessed with weapons. He collected lots of them. He, uh, swords and guns. He and killed himself with, uh, with not a sword, with a, <laughs> with a gun. Um, yeah. and, Somewhere, um, somewhere on one of those pages I was tweeting about, it had a long thing by Scalzi saying, uh, he's, he's increased some, somehow strangely, he doesn't say this part, somehow strangely he's increased in popularity since his death. <laughs> not mentioning the fact that it's all oh, stuff is public domain. That's not the reason, Jesse. No? You know, oh, really? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, but I'm, I'm like, but we already had an episode where you and I discussed this. Yeah. Whole thing, so you don't need to rehash that. So, um, how? In, 20, in yeah. 27 minutes, I have to depart. All right. So, I'm just going to uh, bring up the LibriVox and see if we can confirm that everybody be into it. It's on, it's six hours, 52 minutes. Um, reasonable length for an essay. Yeah, it's causes, uh, it says it's detective fiction. And, um, uh, there were a number of people who had wanted the collection. The question was, had anyone wanted it badly enough to kill Fleming? And if so, how had he done it? Here is a mystery told against a fascinating background of old guns, gun collecting, which is rapid fire without being hysterical. Uh, exciting without losing its contact with reason and which introduces a personable and intelligent private new Private detective. It's a story that will keep you your nerves on a hair trigger. You know, you don't know the difference between <laughs> I a had fun with the uh, yes, clearly a Patterson thirty four and a Texas forty with a ramming lever. <laughs> okay, I don't know that. Any of those really yeah, it really says that. Yeah, really says that. Um. So yeah, who wants to do a show and when? Uh. So dancing Aztecs. Nobody's. Uh, Mice hasn't signed up for that Westlake, but you said you were maybe it's busy. A, it's for, a bad date, bad timing. Yeah. What about uh, in January, February, March, April, May? Um, any good dates in there? 16th, 23rd, and 30th. May's 
Uh, okay, the next open date is June 13th. June 13th. That works. All right, let me put that in there. Murder in the gun room. Okay. Room by H-Beam. Viper. Evan, are you signing up for it? Uh, June? June Well, actually, th- after, after four weeks, I basically am on vacation. There you go. So Every every day is a vacation now. <laughs> well, after AP exams, we don't have much to do. I have to be, um, I'm still here two months. But Are you staying there, Evan? <clears throat> no, I'm out of China. After You're out this, of China. After I, after this, to... No, I will be out when this contract starts. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're gonna, once you're AP exams are over, we're, we're still on the clock. We have kind of like a little summer semester where we do little research projects individually with the mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. But it basically, you come in, sit all day, watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> write recommendation letters. That's our big job. Oh, write yeah. Recommendation this it's student pretty... distinguishes himself. Or herself. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> and then you sign it. Well, now that I, I, like, I'm not staying, I, I, I kind of rejected certain students when they... <laughs> I turned away more students than I usually do. Wow. All right. I just don't want to write the bullshit. Oh, well, there's a lot of that. Um, let's do a show, shall we? Yeah. Let's, let's, do a sh- let's do a show. All right. Um, just gonna dig out the Wikipedia entry, and then uh, Paul's gonna get a recorder going, and anybody else who knows how to do it, it's called what's the book, this book called? Farmer in the sky. Farmer. Got already. In wow. the sky. In the sky. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, is there a song that goes with it? <laughs> oh, Jesse's not very musical. Remember, Trish, he doesn't get that reference. Ah, uh, oh well. <laughs> I get that actually right. there is a song that goes with it but that's we'll save that for the podcast alright uh, here we go so Jesse, Paul uh, would be Evan Misa. next? Misa? Evan. Okay. Misa, Evan, Trish okay? yep here that's we go right. okay. uh, Paul you recording? I, I am recording oh yeah yours is going to be abbreviated though never mind don't yes. worry about it here I'm we recording. go oh good good okay Thank here we you, go Trish. I will. I have a deadline to. I work at one and an hour and a half. So all right, we might make it. <laughs> um, here we go. <laughs>